Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here with you alongside my good friend and co-host of this fine uh, podcast, Mr. Travis Krenz. Travis, how are we doing? Uh, Phillies Braves are on. Uh, Braves are a team I've never cared about much. Uh, I like the Braves now. Good. And, uh, and the Phillies. Get me all in on the Phillies. Oh. So you know I like the Mets. You know I like Arizona. Give me, give me the Phillies and the Braves as well. All right, those are my teams. Give me four teams this year. I'll take all four of those guys. All right, I think a lot of teams that no one else would take. Here, uh, before we begin with sports, you might have heard there was an epic blizzard over the weekend in South Dakota, Southwest Minnesota, and the Twin Cities. They all got walloped. All got hammered. Uh, you were in a relative, like direct bullseye of this storm. Uh, in Mitchell there, and uh, it was so severe that I believe they closed Interstate Mitchell to Chamberlain, but that's not uh, uncommon. Rapid City. To Rapid well, City. It was all the way there. They, and I know Basically, Rapid City to Sioux Falls. Did they, did they eventually close it all the way to Sioux Falls? I saw Sioux Falls was open for a yes. bit. And yep. then uh, I-29 from the North Dakota-South Dakota border to Sioux Falls, Correct. Yep, and then uh, North, yeah, North Dakota down to down to Sioux Falls. So pretty much the entire state, well, interstate was closed, and then uh, east or southwestern Minnesota they closed that a little bit as well as they opened up like Wall to Rapid City, and they ended up closing Sioux Falls to Minnesota. So just, uh, I mean, I heard about this storm coming, you know, like. Last or like the the Saturday or Sunday before, like, oh, could we five to eight inches of snow? I'm like, oh, great, because I had plans to go down to Brookings, you know, see my grandma, see some friends and stuff. Yep. It like, oh, you know what? Hopefully it doesn't hit. And then it started going more south and south and south, and uh, it obviously couldn't go. But we didn't get anything up in Fargo, uh, which is stunning considering all of the snow and the wind around. I mean, it's. You will go less than like a hundred miles away, maybe 70, 80, and they have a lot of snow. Like, what the hell gives with this? You were not uh, not in the area apparently. No, yeah, apparently not. North, yeah, the north and south, it was not much. Basically, it was South Dakota. Even Yankton only got like six inches. But yeah, Marshall got a bunch. Yep. Minneapolis got a bunch. Uh, Winter had twenty two inches. My goodness. That was the uh, high points. Mitchell set a new record with sixteen. Huron had fifteen and a half. Is that a record the for the April amount or just like any snowstorm period? No, uh, for April. Okay. Biggest uh, the majority of it. Huron was pretty much fifty fifty snow on Friday and Saturday. For whatever reason Mitchell was it was a foot on Saturday and only like three or four feet or three or four inches on Friday. So even though those towns are, you know, 50 miles apart, there was a big difference in when the snow hit. Because uh, on Friday night... All come through. Yeah, if you went to bed Friday night, Mitchell, it was like, well, we've got a couple of inches. Then you woke up and, yeah, we had a push. That's, that's just amazing. And the winds were... Uh, were huge. I mean, obviously, I mean that's what leads to blizzard warnings. Is you know the, the wind blizzard. going with this, with this snow, and you have a lot of snow. So it was obviously the fluffy snow. Uh, 
whiteout tint. Oh, the, uh, it was it, it a was mixture a, of wet and fluff? It was a wet snow because it was, you know, only around, you know, it was around that freezing mark, so we got yep. a little bit of rain uh, overnight Thursday, early Friday morning. You could see that it rained out, and those ice pellets, and uh, I would I would say it was a wet snow, but it didn't because the wind was, you know, minimum of 30 miles an hour. We had gusts up to 60. There was a solid 40, so I mean, Wet snow, dry snow, you know, 40, 50 mile an hour winds, that's blowing everything around. I got a lot of photos from uh, my mom and stepdad and Marshall, of course, with the storm bar- uh, barreling down there. I mean, so this this lived up to the hype, no doubt about it. It did. It did. I was uh, questionable because there's, cause it's like, you know, in, in Mitchell they said 8 to 14 feet, and even then we got 6 to 16 inches. Even then it was, was a little more. And it was, you know, from winter to Marshall. Winter and Marshall are not close. The home of Nathan Stack and the home of Blake Day. Yeah, uh, hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles apart, and they got they got absolutely slaughtered. It's it's amazing. Growing up, you know, we'd never get the big storms in Marshall. The big storms we got would be, you know, like ninety seven. Ninety seven is the winter that I remember. I'm sure you remember as well. You know, I I remember the ice storm on my birthday. You know, we were in Brookings, and we had to go back to Marshall, and it took, like, two to two and a half hours just to get home, 60 miles. I mean, it was it was crazy. Right. I mean, and then all the snow, the, the number of snow days, just and the record cold with it. Like, there's never going to be a winter that I think rivals the winter of 97. But if there were ever a snowstorm, this would seem to be the one. Yeah, this was, uh, this was up probably the worst or the most snow. That I've seen, we had the uh, blizzard in 2007 in, in uh, Brookings that closed down SGSU for a time. It was yep. right during spring break, so a lot of people were trying to get out of town in a quick amount of time. So that was that's the worst I've ever driven in. That was you know whiteout conditions. That was bad. And I'm as, as I'm on the interstate, they say they're closing the interstate, so you know trying to get off the interstate in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and 97 was bad. Summer League Tournament this year was the worst for the Summer League Tournament. Yes. In the, you know, Sioux Falls area, that was... Because that pulls down the entire interstate from North Dakota to the Iowa border. Driving home that, one of those nights was not good. That was was Monday night. Monday night was pretty bad, yeah. And it sounds like even Mitchell had it worse in Sioux Falls, so that was bad. So winter wasn't terrible. It's been very long, and spring has been almost worse than the winter has. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All things considered, like the the snow has just come late this year. Like there was a little yeah. snow before, but the major snow has come later. And I'm a guy who really loves storms, so I'm sad that I missed out on some of this uh, historic uh, blizzard, historic storm. Um, yeah. Well, just when you've got. You've got- you literally had Mitchell. Uh, they're in Davidson County. They had a severe thunderstorm warning within the same hour as they had a blizzard warning start. <laughs> so, like, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is that is insane. That is that is just insane. Uh, we will try and transition from weather to sports. Uh, I think we can make that. 
juncture. I don't know if you hey. watched any of the Wild game on Sunday well, night. I saw a lot of it. I saw a lot of Did lots you? of goals. They scored a lot of goddamn goals. Good. You you keep watching then. You keep watching on Thursday night. Um, All right. um, Marcus couldn't get there to game three. We'll see if he can make it maybe for game four. Uh, but you got to keep watching, obviously, because when you watch the Wild win. But just to know that there's a blizzard going around out there, I was very happy because I was a little nervous that there wouldn't be a, a huge crowd there. Oh, that it, that wouldn't be packed. So I'm glad the people of Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm glad the Twin Cities. I'm glad Minnesota could get out to the X uh, in this uh, historic blizzard. Because you know when a blizzard hits the Twin Cities, I mean that would shut everything down essentially. Glad it was inside. Well, yeah, that, that, that's very good. Yeah, can you imagine an outdoor series here in the blizzard? <laughs> love it. I would love it. It'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of penalties early on in that in that one. Yep. Uh, I, I, would, I would assume Minnesota was fortunate to uh, you know, not to be down two nothing early on, and they they were five three uh, penalty advantage, and then it seemed like they were going to let that slip away. But then they tied it up, and then second period they just went nuts for whatever yep. reason. Yep, it's very good. Um, yeah, the, the physicality, the physicality of this series is something else. Do you like it? Does this does this series make you? Because you will dabble in playoff hockey every once in a while. Does this series make you want to watch more, though? I would appreciate it if they wouldn't try to fight every after every goddamn whistle. Well, that would, would be I would nice. Appreciate yep. that. That seemed like what was going on after a while, and then after a while, you're just like, fight, get it done with, and then go back to some hockey. So I would prefer, you know, some fighting. I guess is okay. I would prefer not to see it after after every, every goddamn whistle. But. uh that was a good game. Um, I just kind of tuning in now and then. I mean, the sure. Capitals, my Capitals, are just living up to their expectations. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. How dumb! I mean, how year. how stupid tremendous. can I be to pick them to get to the Stanley Cup final? Go to the well one too many times. Uh, losing both games, uh, both home games, games one and two in overtime to Columbus, uh, not good. Remember what Virginia, Villanova. Yeah. Georgetown, whatever else, I, Purdue, whatever. I, I, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. The, 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 the Pittsburgh Panthers, Pittsburgh. men's basketball. We let's let we got we we're not talking about the Penguins or the Steelers here. Uh, no, I, always take Butler to win a game. Washington, they can go to hell. Yep, I like Pittsburgh to at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we could label teams that are just. For whatever reason, snake bitten and just cannot get the job done in sports. Let's go through NHL in the playoffs. It's the Washington Capitals, hands down. I don't even know who's second. I don't even know who would be second. I can't even think of one. I mean, maybe. No, I was going to say maybe the Wild, but they don't have a long. I mean, the expectations for them to win are not nearly. I mean, they don't have the best player in the NHL on their team. No offense to Zach Parise, no. he's not the best. Alex Ovechkin is. NBA, it's the Toronto Raptors. You mentioned men's basketball. We have like you could go like five or six deep in men's college basketball between Georgetown and Virginia, no. and uh, you know, I think we could take Villanova off that list, but they were there for a while. Pittsburgh. I, I, I'd put the, the the Clippers or whatever team Chris Paul is on sure. as disappointments. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. What about baseball? Would it be the Braves? Yeah, Braves in the nineties. Uh, I mean, the Yankees have Yankees have won one World Series in seventeen years. 
But it's a lot of money to spend to win one World Series. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and I think people, I don't think enough people talk about, you know, I did. they've not won a World Series in, what, 2008? It's been 10 years since they've won one. That's the only one they've won and the only one they've been to since 03. I, I feel, though, like with the Yankees, at least they get, you know, that, that they can win a series. You know, maybe they'll lose in the ALCS. But with the Braves, it felt like they would consistently, you know, in the 90s, they, they, they made it to the NLCS. They made it to a, a few World Series. But even then, you get into the early 2000s, and they would lose you know, right away. It's like, okay, what gives Atlanta? What gives? In the NFL, would it be the Kansas City Not Chiefs? Yeah, Chiefs, Vikings, Dodgers yep. for the uh, Dodgers for baseball. Yep. I mean, I mean, but it's uh, it's not something. You know, Vikings obviously they're the best franchise to never win a Super Bowl. So yes. And then the Chiefs, yeah, in the last, you know. Because they can't win a playoff. Years. They haven't won a home playoff game in you know since the nineties. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing. Um, so. Interesting there. Uh, any other thoughts from the NHL playoffs? Uh, your Vegas not, Golden Knights are uh, tremendous. Uh, 3-0 series lead as of the recording of this podcast. They're they're just tremendous. Uh, go Vegas. Very exciting to see Vegas. Would be Vegas Sharks. Let's go Vegas Sharks. Oh, that's what you want the next series to be. You're not calling them the Vegas Sharks. No. No. no? Okay. Well, okay. Likely to be Vegas V Sharks and... Uh, Yes. In Colorado, Colorado showed me something. I think Colorado wins tonight. Okay. All right. They get one. Yeah, they've, oh, they've they been have, very they impressive have. so far. I've uh, I've been uh, you know I've been impressed by what they've done uh, far more than than the Wild. But NHL playoffs going. We will have Marcus Traxler on later for more of a deep dive here on the NHL playoffs. Let's you and I do a deep dive on the NBA playoffs. This should take all five minutes. Uh, well, enough about the uh, the Panthers of uh, Northern Iowa. I think we covered them. <laughs> yeah, David Johnson and uh, Kurt Warner. Remember those days? Those, those were great. But uh, yourself and myself, uh, you know, the NBA playoffs are going on here. Everyone's played at least one game over the weekend. What was your favorite game of the weekend? Pacers, Cavs. Just because the Cavs got blown out. Got their asses kicked from pillar to post. At no point was this game close. Indiana kicked their ass. I, you know what? When Paul George got traded, I don't know. I mean, they, they got Victor Oladipo and the you know this you know Arvidas Sabonis's kid. Um, I just I thought this was a rebuild year all the way for Indiana. So my apologies to Victor Oladipo. I like Victor Oladipo. I liked him coming out of Indiana. Uh, I wish he would have been able to do stuff more with the, with the Magic down there in Orlando. I just didn't think they had enough of a team around him. But, damn, he's he's something else. Yeah, they're a surprise team. And uh, they make an all-star team this year. He, uh, yeah, he's, he stepped up his game a little bit. Cleveland, Cleveland's bad. Is Cleveland going to win? You know, we're looking at the series. I picked the, the Cavs in five. So... I could still get that prediction right. Is there any chance that they lose this series, or how like how now, how confident are we that the Cavs will win this series? Still think it's an eighty percent chance they go to the finals, but I mean LeBron had a triple double. He's going to have to play like NBA Finals LeBron, I think, to win this deal because 
screwing their defense was so bad. Indiana was getting open shots and they were making them. You know, it's just so bad to watch. Such poorly played basketball for Cleveland for the majority of the year. And I'm sure they'll turn it on here in game two whenever they play that next week. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the first round's going to take at least a month and a half. Yeah, I'd be fine if Indiana wins this thing, but, you know, LeBron James, he hasn't lost. He's never lost the first round series. Nope. Nope. I mean, I just, I have a hard time believing he's going to lose here, but if he does, I mean, he's done. He's done in Cleveland. I can't see coming back after they lose this here. No, I can't either. Uh, That's the 4-5 matchup. Where he could potentially go would be Philadelphia. That's where it sounds like that, you know, the... The winds are blowing that direction. We know that the L.A. teams will make a push. Um, hey, maybe you want to go to Minnesota, play with Cat and uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague. Think about that team. That would be a great uh, fearsome fivesome. But anyway, Philadelphia, they're playing the Heat. Uh, they blew the Heat out in game one. It's the 3-6 matchup. I have the 76ers in five. I just, you know, uh, Hassan Whiteside aside, uh you know, Dwayne Wade, fine, but he's old. Uh, Goran Dragic, sure. The Heat just don't do anything for me. And I don't know. I mean, yes, Philadelphia on a huge win streak to end the regular season. What, 16 games? Uh, you know, they'll ride that momentum into this series. I just think they're the better team with Ben Simmons and, and everyone. I, I just I think the 76ers roll. I don't know why people think that the Heat are going to make this a series. Maybe I'm wrong. The first half was pretty good. In the second half, Philadelphia blew him out. If Ben Simmons had a jump shot, like he'd be like unbelievable. If he could make he's a three pointer, right he would be unbelievable. Fuck! If he shot, has he shot a three pointer all year? Oh. I know he hasn't made. Yeah, let's. I know he. He's not made. I do not believe he's made a three pointer all year long. So he needs to develop that, and we'll see. You know, if he works on it, he'll probably be a pretty good pretty good shooter we will see what you know if he develops that if not he'll be plenty good but to get to that you know to be around you now the best player in the in the game he needs to be able to shoot from outside of 10 feet so uh once they get him beat back you know there's still t- there's I mean they're tough to beat right now they've done all this uh, a lot of this without him beat and he's mm-hmm. their best player so yeah, I think I think they beat uh, Miami here, probably five or six. I think them, them and Boston. I know that should be a great series. So. I, do you do you really think that's? I mean, Boston got pushed by the Milwaukee Bucks to overtime. That's a seven-two matchup in the East. I I'd say out of the four series in the East, the Bucks have the best chance to pull off the upset, just given all of the injuries that the Celtics have. Uh, because they have the Greek feet, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I I think that Milwaukee is going to give the uh, the Celtics everything they can handle. Sounded like the Greek freak should have gotten a foul called uh, late in that game and didn't. I mean, that was a great three pointer, by the way. By who? Chris Middleton was that who it was that shot that three there at the end? Phenomenal, phenomenal shot there. Um, I just yeah I give me give me the Bucks to make this a series. I think it will go the distance just because I don't think Boston has the depth to be able to put Milwaukee away quickly. Agree or disagree? I think Indiana has the best chance of an upset. Okay. 
I mean, I think I think some in Boston, and they've done well without Kyrie Irving. I, I like Boston. You know, they got Al Horford and Jalen Brown. Their depth is good. Uh, Jason Tatum has been a great rookie. Uh, one of the Morris with the Twins. I think there are plenty. There are plenty of good teams to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they're better than Milwaukee. They beat Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, them in Philadelphia, I think that should be a, be a great series. And, um, you know, Indiana, Cleveland, I have no respect for Toronto. I'd love to see Indiana beat the hell out of Toronto. Oh, you know what? I don't put it past them. I mean, you know, the the Raptors. We talked about the capital struggles. Terrible. We know that the, the we know the Raptors are the capitals of the NBA. Uh, they struggled with the the team that the Capitals share a building with in DC. The Wizards. This is a Wizards team that lost to the Orlando Magic in the last game of the regular season with something on the line. Like this is a team that is just putrid down the stretch. I don't I don't blame Scott Brooks necessarily for this, but obviously something's going on there where uh, what he's telling them is it, it isn't resonating with them. And for them to push the Raptors for as much as they did in that game, for shame, Toronto. For shame. I think Cleveland would beat them. I think Philadelphia would beat them. And I don't like Toronto at all. Because the Hunter Rosen's their best guy. Kyle Lowry's a good guy. I can't see any of these guys making the finals. Yeah, I can't see that. I, so it's is it Cleveland, Indiana, or Philadelphia in your mind then? I think Cleveland. I give Cleveland like an eighty percent chance. I give Philadelphia the other twenty percent. I don't know anybody else. Okay. Boston, Boston, a minuscule uh, chance. So just. I for the first round games in the East, I have the Raptors in five. I had the Cavs in five. That might not uh, come to fruition, but we shall see. I have the Celtics in seven, and then I have the 76ers in five. So I don't foresee many of these series in the Eastern Conference going the distance. And I agree. I mean, I think Charles Barkley said it last year, uh, and he probably will say it again this year that the NBA playoffs are the worst playoffs. Uh, out of the four major sports, uh, hockey by far has a, the better playoffs between the two. Uh, just the level of competitiveness that we see in the NBA playoffs—it's it's pretty atrocious early on. Hey, there's yeah, no need for eight teams. I'd be fine with you know six teams each side making the playoffs. Top two seeds get a week off. It's it's not good. It's not competitive. There's a bunch of one and two seeds. It means whatever team LeBron's on, they're like one of the top two seeds out west. Just who, uh, who makes the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. There's one guy I interned with in Charlotte. He uh, went to Kansas State. He likes sports. I go along with him well. Good. He, he thinks, uh, he tweeted out, he thinks that the playoffs are better than the NCAA tournament. Oh, my God. What? Blasphemous. Uh, Heyman, uh, a friend of the program, yes. Heyman. Yes. I don't know if he agrees, but he says and the players are better. Well, yeah, of course. Duh, the players duh. are better. Doesn't necessarily mean the games are better. There's some future NCAA tournament games. But yeah. again, if you just, you know, they, they play about the same amount of 60-some games. It's pretty close to the same amount of games. Take the five best NBA uh, playoff games against the five best tournament games every year. 
and I, I think we'll see what games are better. I mean, I like college basketball far more than I do the NBA. It's not even close. I will I pay attention throughout the regular season, of course, to the NBA, but I mean, I am all about the NCAA tournament, the Summit League tournament, everything like that. You and I are both in the same boat there. You know, with college football, and I just I like college basketball because I don't know, it just seems like there's just more energy, there's more, uh, you know, for the most part in some of these arenas, but it seems like the kids care a little bit more than the NBA where they just, you know, lackadaisical on defense. You could say the same thing about college football, you know, the guys care a little bit more than sometimes NFL players do, but the lack of defense in college football is just atrocious, and it makes me like the NFL game slightly more uh, over college football, though the what the NFL's been doing lately uh, is definitely dampening my enthusiasm so I'm a little I'm a little different across the board there but to get to the overall roundabout point with this I don't know how you can I don't know how you can say with a straight face that the NBA playoffs are better you might have a the NBA finals might be better than the NCAA tournament you know I guess as a whole if you want to put it that way you know, if you're going to compare games or the teams, like the, just the level of competition, but no, no, give me the NCAA tournament uh, without question over the NBA playoffs, night and day. No, just 365 days a year, uh, seven days a week, every year, I'll take college basketball or the NCAA tournament over the NBA playoffs. Because he said he used the Boston Milwaukee game as his example of why he thinks it's better. Fine game, post finish, great shots. Fantastic. Cool. I'll show. Other I'll raise that, you Loyola Chicago. Yeah. I mean, any other game in the first round, I mean, it's only been one game. Hasn't been any other. I mean, Minnesota-Houston was pretty good. Yep. For what that was, that was close. I mean, I don't, you know, again, I, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to say. I think most people would disagree with that. I would hope so. And, oh, yeah. It's a bad, bad opinion. In my, in my opinion, I don't agree with his opinion. But and he's and he's certainly entitled to it, but obviously uh, you and I disagree. And you know, I like I said, I don't watch a lot of NBA basketball throughout the regular season. I I catch highlights on on Sports Center. I you know constantly looking at the standings, reading stories on what's going on, watching the videos, listening to sound bites, all that stuff. So I'm not watching the games like all the way per se. So. And to, to watch Minnesota-Denver last week, the last regular season game, it is a play-in game. You know, the winner gets in the playoffs, loser goes home. But it just the amount of physicality in that game compared to... And, and there were no calls. Like, they're, they're just letting them play, and I'm seeing this in the, in the playoffs, too. It's ridiculous. Now, I don't like college basketball, you know, where they call every little ticky-tack, you know, hit you know or bump or anything like that i don't like that you got to swallow the whistle at some point but these guys are getting mauled in the nba and they don't call it anything practically or they'll call a whistle and be like you're gonna call that but you aren't gonna call where a guy like tries to practically hug someone down there i mean, just it, it's insane to me that the difference between the officiating in these in college basketball versus the NBA, and I, I think there's got to be some middle ground. I think the NBA, you get away with way too much. Uh, Minnesota Wild, they got screwed early on yes. in the uh, in that game. I have some four, four calls, ticky tack calls. That was poor officiating. Yes, I mean, 
tweeted that out. These are, these are playoff games. These officials need to be better. Uh, again, a lot of reviews. They take way too long. It's it's not a great process to watch. If you're going to call it tight, I guess consistency is one thing, I suppose. If you're going to let it go, I guess, and let it go. If you're going to call it tight, call it tight, and hopefully players adjust to that. As the games move on, but you would like it to be, you know, as normal as possible. And consistent. And not, yes, and not different from game to game, even though that is what usually happens. So, yeah, officiating... Not not great at times, and no makeup calls. You know, if you if you miss something, yeah. or if you call something terrible on one end, don't just do it on the other end to make amends. You know, it own it. Say, boy, I screwed up. Uh, and traveling seems to be an issue. Yeah, uh, James Harden. James Harden took some steps last night. Uh, yes, the big one would be old Bob Covington for Philadelphia. Um, you see, old Bob Covington. Has, I uh, I didn't see that one. No. Tennessee State guy, Rob Covington. Yep. For uh, Philadelphia. Uh, right wing three. He catches it. There's a little pump fake. Uh, fakes his guy out. He, like, he steps back or steps to the side. Two steps, which would be a travel. He didn't dribble the ball. And you can't, you can't do that. And they didn't call it that he made the three. But he caught it. Pump fakes. Took two steps back. And that was just atrocious. So. Earth, I mean, you missed it. Just not looking for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, between James Harden and then, you know, Carl Anthony Towns in that game against uh, Houston after the, the second missed free throw, and they're just walking around like, hey, what's going on? Oh, okay, actually, it's live. That? What was that? Oh, what was that? So they, it was, they made the free throw, and then there was a timeout to clean up some blood, I think. Okay, then you shoot your second free throw, and you go. Yeah, but they... they what, what the hell was people waiting for? I, I don't no. know. I think they, they just they, they got caught up in the moment. No one knew what the hell was going on. Uh, so the Wolves need to be better in, in end of game situations. Yes. Oh, that that shot by Butler was a, a Not great. atrocious. Not great. Just like he, if he passes it to Teague, Teague's got a wide open three to to, to tie the game, and then it goes to it overtime. Anything can happen. Uh, yeah, that that was not good. Uh, just to. To close out the Eastern Conference, I have the Cavaliers against the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals. I have the Cavs winning and advancing. Um, I, I'd like Toronto to prove me wrong, but um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think we agree with what's going to happen in the East. On, yep. the, on the West, uh, we'll start with the Timberwolves, the 8 versus 1 matchup. Uh, Mike D'Antoni says this is not an 8 seed. This is not a normal 8 seed. And he's right, you know, because... You had you had Jimmy Butler go down with an injury, but this is also a team that inexplicably lost at home to Memphis and lost road games to Atlanta and Brooklyn, and I think they lost on the road to Orlando too, if I if memory serves me correct. That's not uh, that's not exactly good on the old playoff resume. Having said that, what would you rather have? I, I think for the Timberwolves. You know, kind of like with what happened with the Wild in Game One of their series with the Jets, they they played really a lot better than I think people thought. You know, he had a lead, ultimately couldn't get the job done. I think Houston wins Game Two by twenty, but James Harden goes for forty four points in Game One, and yet Houston shoots ten of thirty seven from beyond the arc. They were very bad shooting threes. Uh, Clint Capella was very very good in Game One, but what would 
what do the Wolves need to do? What would you rather focus on? Uh, you know, what do you need to stop more? Houston's three-point shooting or James Harden? Because I would argue, I guess, more James Harden. Like, you got to keep him, I don't know, between 20 to 25 points, if possible. And then, you know what? Houston's not going to make every three, but I think they're going to make more than, you know, the, the 28% or whatever it was that they shot in... Um, in, in game one. But uh, how do you pick your poison with this team? Because obviously the Timberwolves had no defense. Why is Derrick Rose playing defense on James Harden? That's my big question. I was very I, I was pleasantly surprised to see Derrick Rose play as much as he did and look pretty good on offense. I mean, hadn't seen him play at all during the regular season. He looked good. But defensively, why have him on James Harden? That's that's terrible. That's like the school for the blind going against LeBron James. It's just not good. They don't have anybody to, I mean, nobody, I mean, Capella did something. Nobody else really did anything. This was their game to win. They had to win this yes. game. Yep. I, I don't, like Houston, they, I think they're going to score like 120 points every game. They didn't, they shoot, they, they shot terribly from three. They're going to take half their shots. It's not more than half their shots from three. They were 10 of 37 from three. And seven of those ten were hardened threes. This was the game. You hold yep. Houston to 104 and you can't win. Shame on you. This is probably as close as they're going to get because I think they're getting swept. Uh, they had to win this game. This was yep. the game they had to win. Uh, Butler didn't play well. Towns didn't play well. No. Uh, and and Tibbs okay. called him out for it after the game. Yeah, I mean, they're their top two guys. I mean, Rose and Crawford were pretty great off the bench. If they just get anything from Butler and Towns, if they get their normal 20 points, Christ, they win this game. They do. Yep. But uh, Harden, Harden's going to get his, I would, because I don't know, they don't have any, who do you put on him? I mean, there's nobody you can put on him. Well, I mean, Taj Gibson's the best defender, at least in my estimation, but he's too old and he's bigger. I mean, Harden would blow by him all the time. So you're going to have to have someone come in, you know, to help guard the lane so James Harden doesn't, you know, have a clear lane to the hoop like he did on that dunk. And I think Cat was like, oh, I mean, yeah, he's he's gone. I'm not going to try it. So do you put Jimmy Butler on uh, on Harden? Would that be the best route to go? Uh, yeah, yeah, Butler's your best defender, so you put him on Harden, and uh, you see what, what happens there. But this was their game. This was their game to win. Yep. They blew it. Uh, yeah, you hold Houston to 104. It's what it probably... 10, 12 points under their season average. Yep. So defense was there. Defense was good. They will, they will, they let one slip away, and again, this is probably the closest game of the series. I do. I, I, I didn't want to pick the Rockets in a sweep, even though it's likely to happen. I do have the Rockets, though, in five. You, it sounds like you have the Rockets in four. Yeah, that's what I've got. Okay. Yeah. I just, Minnesota's defense, if they play like this, they can win a game. But uh, their defense is usually poor, and they're a little better shooting threes than last year. But they're still the worst in the league shooting threes and taking threes. I mean, they don't have again. They don't have any three point shooters, and that's something that they didn't address last year. Crawford, I guess, would, would be that one guy. Uh, but they need to address that through the draft, or however uh, they can. I thought again, JJ Redick would be a great addition, mm-hmm. and he's been great for Philadelphia. They need a guy like that, a Kyle Culver. They need a guy to shoot some goddamn threes. Yep. Because this is this is basketball these days, and if you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult uh, for you to be uh, 
a get, getting out of the first round. I think that I'm very curious to see how the NBA or how the offseason goes for the Timberwolves because the, the fact that you have Butler, I think, will help draw or attract some other uh, free agents to come to Minnesota and play. Obviously, you need to do something with the bench, but I, I think the Timberwolves are, are going to vastly improve over the offseason. But it's something that we shall see. Uh, continuing with the with the Western Conference, Warriors against the Spurs. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, the Spurs have no chance. Uh, very surprised that the Warriors blew him out as bad as they did in Game 1. Give me the Warriors in 5. And uh, it's uh, Kawhi's career as a Spur is likely over. I don't know what's going on there. I, I don't, don't think anyone does. You, you know what? Greg Popovich doesn't even know. He says, ask his guys. His being Kawhi's. Because, I mean, Kawhi's doing this on his own. And I think this has really hurt Kawhi's image in the eyes of fans and maybe others around the NBA. What it, I, it, this is, I, I don't know a lot, ton on this here, so I don't mean to take a Skip Bayless-esque take on it. But to me, just how, just looking at it from the outside, how does this help Kawhi at all? He doesn't look good in this, right? Yeah, I mean, he, it appears, I mean, he should be cleared. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, this is a long, long injury. Going back to last year, and I don't know what. It's uh, a quad. It can't be that bad. I don't know what, what his deal is. Uh, if he sees it as, you know, there's no reason for me to come back. It's not like we're going for a championship. I think the Warriors sweep in this series. Uh, I, I don't know. He might not even be back with the Spurs. So yeah. I'm sure Lakers or Clippers or somebody would gladly take him. But if this was like any other superstar on any other team, I think this would be a bigger story. I mean, you hardly hear anything about it. Um, the, probably because it's the Spurs and, and Popovich. Kawhi Leonard. Um, and Kawhi well, Leonard, yeah. you know, he's, he I, doesn't talk at all. I did see a blurb. Uh, looks like a video of Brian Windhorst saying that Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James could be tied together. Would that intrigue oh, you? Oh, shit. Well, they both went to Philadelphia just, I mean, that, and they're competing with Golden State. I mean, that's ridiculous. So those two guys, that'd be, that would be impressive. Yeah, well, you know, that they, let's say go to L.A. I mean, I don't, LeBron's a smart guy. He's had a say in the East. I think he knows this. Yeah. I think he's pretty goddamn aware of this. So well, if Philadelphia it, can make that work, go ahead. If I'm, do not go to the West, do not. Okay, go to the so West. If, if the Clippers have a lot of space, if if Kawhi and LeBron went, if if Kawhi and LeBron went to the Clippers, just just hear me no. out on this. No. I don't think. Th- hear me out. I didn't say you had to agree with me. Just hear me out on this. It'd be good, but I, I don't. Be th- Clay Thompson is not going to stay with the Warriors for more than a couple a couple more seasons. I don't think he's going to re-up with him. I think he's he's got his rings. He's going to go look for someplace where he can make some more money. That That's just my thought. Kevin Durant is... Uh, it sounds like things are not going quite as well as... Is what and again maybe that's just the the members of the certain members of the media trying to blow something out of proportion here or, or you know make a story out of nothing. But if Kevin Durant's not happy there then all of a sudden you're breaking up a, a significant chunk of that team there it's granted it's only two guys but they're two very very good guys i mean steph curry's great but he seems a little injury prone we can't trust draymond green to 
to not pick up a technical foul and hit uh, kick people in the ding ding. Uh, I just think that you know, a Kawhi. Would you take Steph Curry and Draymond Green over LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard? I wouldn't. Not even close. Two on two? Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to build around those, like, build your team around two guys, I'm going to take Kawhi and LeBron over Steph and Draymond. I think all those Warrior guys are going to stay, so that's where we differ. Durant, he'll opt out again this summer. He'll resign for whatever they're going to give him. I think Durant's far more likely to stay with the Warriors than, a, than Clay Thompson. I think Clay Thompson is staying. He's the Scotty Pippen of the deal. I think they're all saying, I think they've all made it clear that, you know, they don't just want to, I mean, they want to win like five or six of these things, and they want to stay together, and they'll they'll sacrifice, uh, you know, a few million dollars here and there. I mean, Durant is doing that right now, mm-hmm. in the last year, do it again this year. Um, I think they're fine with that, as long as they can win, you know, five or six of these. That's going to be worth it to them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. LeBron in Philadelphia makes the most sense. So I don't even know who's number two. Okay. And it goes back. If it goes back to Miami, if that interests him at all, who knows? How about go to Orlando. There's nothing. <laughs> Disney World. Disney World's there. So that's pretty bare cupboard. Uh, him and Kawhi Leonard. Like anywhere they would go, go to the Bulls. Go to the Bulls. Stop. No. Bulls. Stop. That. No. 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 Florida, no. No. Back. <laughs> No, I don't want the. How about they join forces with the Greek freak? Yeah, again, he's got to get nobody, nobody in the right goddamn minds going to Milwaukee. <laughs> that, I mean, that kid's got to get out of it. He's just—I feel like we'll be talking two or three years from now and be like, "Oh yeah, see you're him. He's a great player, and he still haven't won a goddamn playoff series, and he should probably, you know, get the hell out of there. And he should get the hell out of there." <laughs> oh. Uh, the other two series in the West, uh, Pelicans, Trailblazers, I think it's going seven. Pelicans took game one on the road. Uh, Anthony Davis is great. How how good, how much better would New Orleans be if Boogie Cousins was playing for them? Like, how, how yeah, much of a think, threat would they be? You would think they would be better, but it seems like they've been fine without them. Yeah. It, it's stunning, like isn't they, it? Like, they weren't all that good without him last year. They bring him in. They still don't make the playoffs and and Davis get hurt. So they're with him now and they're fine. Then he gets hurt and it seems like when he got hurt, they went on a run. So I don't know how much of a difference he makes. Like, you look at the team and you're like, yeah, you have him on it. Like, yeah, that's Good little deal right there. Yeah, him and uh, and Davis. Good uh, good combo. Rajon Rondo running the point. And he, I mean, but when you look, I mean, when you, look at, when you look at the results, I don't know how much. I'm sure Cousins would put up his, you know, 30 points and 15 rebounds, but and you'd like to have that. But as far as wins and losses, I don't yeah. know. It, but yeah, that's, that should be a fantastic series. Anthony Davis, he's the man. Yep. And yeah, that that should be that could be a seven gamer. Da- Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum did not shoot very well in Game One. I don't expect that to uh, last in this series. I I just think Portland is going to push this, or New Orleans is going to push this to seven games. I think it's a seven game series. And the other series that I thought initially was going to be seven games, Utah in Oklahoma City. 
Uh, but oh. Paul George went off in game one. He was great. Donovan Mitchell, uh, the rookie sensation for Utah, he's got an injured foot. So that totally throws uh, his status for the sec- uh, for game two very much in doubt. That throws the, this whole series in, uh, in whack here. Uh, so if that's the case, if he misses game two, Thunder win that easily. But it, it's really going to come down to Donovan Mitchell's health, I think, for game three and you know, going through the rest of this series if the Jazz want any chance of winning it, of course. Um, you know, No offense to Rudy Gobert and uh, Ricky Rubio, but uh, Donovan Mitchell is a straw that uh, helps stirs that drink. And I just don't if, – if he misses more than two games, I think the, the – the Thunder win it in five, but I initially pegged this series to go seven. They can still go seven. I think Mitchell will be fine on step toe. I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, that's that's another good series between that one, uh, Boston-Milwaukee, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and uh, Utah. You mentioned that. New Orleans-Portland. I think those are your three best series. Yep. Um, I think those are the yeah. ones that I all have going seven. I think there – I mean, there are more – there are more series this year that at least I'm interested in or will become interested in after a couple of weeks here once they get through a couple of games. Uh, it looks like Miami might beat Philadelphia to even add up to one apiece. Ah, so, blasphemy. Ah. <laughs> so uh, there's at least some series here, and I'm sure Golden State will have 10 days off between series. Um, but they play the uh, the Portland Pelicans winner, and they, they've just killed New Orleans. I think they won. They lost to them there at the end of the year, but before that, I think uh, they beat them 19 of 20. So I don't see New Orleans challenging Golden State, and Curry should be back. They could probably rest Curry for that series, to mm-hmm. be honest. But yeah. Um, yeah. I have Warriors against right. Rockets. Playoffs, and... uh, sorry, go ahead. NBA playoffs not terrible. So that's good. I have the Warriors against the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, and until Chris Paul can prove me wrong. Uh, until any other team can prove us wrong, you have to go with Golden State, right? Yeah, I mean, it does say they struggled with Minnesota, so that's not great. And it doesn't really matter because Golden State's not Minnesota, and teams are just different. Mm-hmm. And matchups differently, but I mean, I think Golden State and Cleveland again. Much more Golden State than Cleveland. I mean, LeBron someday going to get knocked off the perch. Maybe it's this year. He goes to Philadelphia. It may not be for a while. But I think, you know, Golden State should be your favorite again. And if it's Golden State in Cleveland, give me Golden State easily. Easily Golden State. I think that'll be uh, – I mean, Golden State went through the whole playoffs and what, lost one game last year? Yes. Game – uh, it was Cleveland the game four, too, if I recall. To uh, what? To, 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 to Cleveland. Cleveland. Yep. I don't think they're losing to the Spurs. Um, I think Portland could get a game or two. New Orleans, mm, not not great. They could maybe sweep New Orleans. I mean, Houston should give them a test. That's their biggest test. Uh, I think they. I think they sweep Cleveland. I think that would be a goddamn bloodbath again. <laughs> again, I, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly there. By the way, Ben Simmons, you're right. No three pointers made. Uh, I, three point attempts from what I, what I can see on ESPN.com. Point one. It's point one. I know. So that's per game. It's, it's point one. So he's maybe oh, attempted two. 
on the year. I, I, I have to get the number, but the average, the three-point attempt average on the year, 0. 0.1. 0. 0.1 for Ben Simmons. Imagine. He has played, you know, he's played, what, 81 games, stayed very healthy this year. Mm-hmm. He has not made a three-pointer in his career yet. Yeah. Well, he lives like Shaq or, you know, some big guy that never shoots. Like, what the hell? I mean, develop this shot, please. Yeah, I what mean, you and Markel Fultz need to need to get together here. He's um, 0 for 11. He is, oh, he's tried 11 times. 11 times he's shot a three. He's missed all of them. My goodness, that's not good. Every, yeah, everything else is fantastic, but uh, you got to be more than a goddamn, you know, 1950s shooting point guard here. <laughs> take that jump. I mean, he's, he's basically Jason Kidd. He's a taller Jason Kidd at this point. But Jason but could could at least make um make a few make threes. Yeah, yeah, he could. Uh, baseball. What uh, little baseball was played last week with all of the? Uh, I mean, the Twins played what three games? Four games. They got their series in with the Astros. Played one to four with the White Sox. Uh, the Mets are great. Red Sox are great. Uh, what uh, What's your takeaway from last week in baseball? Uh, the weather sucks. The weather sucks. Can we Can we institute some double headers in the MLB schedule? Like start mid April and then just in- no, that's too much. No, they did it in I mean, like the, they, they did it in the forties, the thirties, the the fifties even. Why not? The difference, the key difference there is games took two hours yeah. in the 30s and 40s and whatever, and an hour and a half. Here, it's you should get a goddamn game within 245, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, the weather's been terrible, and it's, it's snowing Pittsburgh again Monday at three games again on Monday. Uh, it's again all over the country, uh, northern, northeast, upper, upper Midwest. Even down at Atlanta, it's cold for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to get these games in. If you can play, you play. Twins, they've had four in the first uh, two, three weeks or four games out. They have they, they rescheduled two of them for doubleheaders. One of them on the last Friday of the season, so I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, they didn't need to do any of that. They didn't need to play a single doubleheader. They had uh, many series against Chicago left. Uh, three of them, they had an off day the day before the series started. They used one of those days for a makeup game. They, I, I, I would prefer to use the other two to make up these series as well, but they decided to have two double headers. And again, I do not like that because I anticipate the Twins being in that mix at the end of the season, and I would prefer not to play a goddamn doubleheader. You know what? I like it because I have the Twins as my team in the last week of the regular season in the baseball pick em. Well, they would, though. They got Chicago and uh, Detroit, probably. Yeah. And uh, the doubleheader against Chicago on that Friday. So that's what they've got. I'm all for they've it. they got there. I'm all for it. Well, I, I suppose one of those series were probably at Chicago. I think that's probably where I messed up, I would assume. Maybe, maybe not. But whatever. Um, there are some bad yeah, they're, teams they're so far through three weeks. Tampa Bay's awful. Kansas City stinks. Uh, the uh, the the Reds. They're the Reds are the worst team in baseball at two and thirteen. Awful. Reds are bad. It's a lot of good teams too. So they're boss. I think the Mets are the best team in baseball. You know how I love the Mets. Mm-hmm. I think they're the, I think they're just the best team. I think they're better than Washington. 
Washington mm-hmm. better watch their ass, or they're yes. going to miss the goddamn playoffs here. Mm-hmm. Two weeks in, but still, they yep. better watch their ass. Because I think the NL East is the best division in baseball. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that their, their four best teams are better than any other division's four best teams, because I really like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I really like Philadelphia. I think uh, 500 this year, playoffs next year for Atlanta and or Philadelphia. So that's how much I like those two. Um, no, I, I, yeah, man. I'm in agreement with Puerto, you. Twins are in Puerto Rico. Weather's good there. Hurricane's bad. So uh, they got some Puerto Ricans on the team. Barrios is going to pitch on Wednesday. That's a big deal for him. Who are they playing? The Indians? Yep. Playing Cleveland and Puerto Rico for a couple of games. And they go back out on the road. Um... Man, first time to see Cleveland. So uh, Cleveland's offense is the shits thus far. So got to maybe do a little, little bit better hitting the ball there, Cleveland. So uh, Garrett Cole for Houston. He's been the best pitcher in baseball. Garrett Cole. Good. 36, 36 strikeouts, his first three starts. That's quite amazing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Judge doing well. Stanton's still not, still not doing much. But uh, plenty, uh, plenty of the good baseball when the when the good baseball can be played. Uh, who's your obscure pitcher or hitter for the week? Or do we oh, want to start that in? Uh, do you want to start that in May or June? Oh, yeah, I think I, maybe a guy that I've uh, maybe said before. If there's a guy from the Rockies, he's a reliever. His name's Adam Adovino. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very good relief pitcher. Uh, there was a gif of a slider he threw. The other night against Washington, his goddamn insanity. <laughs> lots of good, lots of good pitching gifts out there. Syndergaard, uh, Adam Adovino, movement on the ball, just shit that shouldn't <laughs> probably happen. It, it, it's going and boom, it goes one way, boom, it goes the other. It's like that's that's weird. So good stuff there. Adam Adovino, probably somebody I've mentioned before, but a reliever for. Uh, the, the Rockies and I like him a bunch. That's good. Oh, so, and uh, well, as we're as we might as well get another guy. Uh, there's a guy named Nick Pavetta for my Phillies. Uh, I think he's going to be good. Nick Pavetta, starting pitcher for the Phillies. A name you'll never forget until 15 minutes after you listen to the podcast. We had we had the Matt Harvey Award when Matt Harvey came up and was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nick Pavetta. We'll keep track of Nick Pavetta. Here's a, my creative way that the Nationals uh, screw up this year. And this one I don't even have him making the playoffs. They lose. Every team in the NL East wins their series against the Nationals. So whether that's like 10-8. Yep, so the season series. 10-8, 11-7, 12-6, whatever. Every team does it. Washington doesn't necessarily finish last. But they uh, they miss the playoffs because they lose season series to the Phillies and the Marlins. There's your the creative word this week. I'll buy all that except the Marlins. Uh, yeah, I think my thing was just that they just missed the playoffs. Yeah, they don't make it. What would it do? What if the uh, Dodgers, Nationals? What if they both miss? And the Cubs. And Cubs, uh, Cubs aren't doing so hot right now. Uh, Bryce Harper though, he's. Yeah, Bryce Harper's having a season he had a couple of years ago. He's had eight home runs already. He had a 406-foot so, uh, bomb on Monday. 
Just he, uh, what he broke his he broke his bat. Mm-hmm. He uh, hit the home run. Bat went flying. Didn't matter. So yeah, Bryce Harper is having Trout is better, but Bryce Harper's ceiling is is better. I don't think there's anybody in baseball that has a higher ceiling. Is Bryce Harper's best is better than anybody else's best? Yes, and he's having his best right now. And Hopefully he, he can like, stay healthy. He and Trout, though, I mean, it's it's one A and one B. You can't go wrong with either of them. But I agree. I think I think Harper is probably better. Uh, Vikings signed Eric Kendricks to a five-year, fifty million dollar deal on Monday. That's good news. Uh, keep signing those guys, the Daniil Hunters, the uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, Anthony Bars. Keep them, get them signed, get them locked up. NFL schedule should come out this week. That's going to be. Uh, big stuff, Krenz. Uh, what uh, what have you gotten done for your mock schedule this year? Nothing. I thought I thought about it today. I'm like, should I do this? Mm, I shouldn't do this. No. <laughs> I guess what I what I this is what Monday and Sunday night games and Thanksgiving. Are there any uh, what we had Christmas games last year? Any weird shit like that? I, I don't think year? so. I, well, Christmas Eve is going to be on a Monday, so I don't anticipate Monday night football. Uh, so I guess you would have a Saturday Monday night game or like a, a Saturday game on ESPN. Um, I, I assume they're going to do Saturday night games again the last few weeks of the regular season. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, no. I saw something that said Thursday night games will be better. Yep, uh, they've taken away the they've taken away the time zone. Uh, different. So, like, you would only play teams in your same time zone or one time zone over. The NFL has gotten away with, has apparently has done away with that. So you could potentially see, like, Minnesota-Seattle on Thursday night. Or... Well, get rid of these division games. I don't want to see division games. Get rid of them. Well, some division games I think would be good. Like, well, there's one game... Like, I want to see Seattle against San Francisco on... on sure. Prime time because that would be great. I want to see Richard Sherman take it to his former team. I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo outduel Russell Wilson. That's what I want to see. I even want my. You want to know something? What I want to see? I want to see Deshaun Watson against the Jaguars defense. I think that would Absolutely. be. I think that would be very intriguing, very fun to watch. So there are several key division games that I think uh, we we should continue to have on Thursday night football. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Right now, my schedule. I have uh, just to highlight a few games here. I don't. If I get three of these right, I will be stunned. I know I'm getting one right for sure with Minnesota and Philadelphia, even though it hasn't been officially announced. It's going to be the opener on Thursday night. So uh, easy one in the books there. I have the Vikings playing on Thanksgiving again this year against Green Bay. That'll be the nightcap. Uh, Third year. I don't. I don't. I don't see. I would like it, but three years in a row. I don't know. I was did surprised you, they did Detroit back to back. I. I don't. Know. I was surprised that they even got that back to back. I mean, I would. I would love to see him play the Lions again. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Patriots oh, are going to. Patriots are going to play the Lions. Um, there's talk like the Jaguars would play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I don't see that happen. You know what I think sure. is going to happen for Thanksgiving? I think it's going to be Philadelphia at Dallas. Yeah, a lot of people would watch that. I, I just think that this, you know, with with Carson Wentz against Dak Prescott, I think that's the, the marquee game uh, on Thanksgiving or the, the late afternoon game there. Um and I think you then you would end the season like Philadelphia at Washington, Giants at the at the Cowboys. Just see what happens. You know, 
So, uh, then a couple other it, items of note here. A 425 game against uh, the Saints in, like, week 9. I have a Sunday night game against New England. And I have the Vikings ending the season at Detroit uh, with a, at Chicago in December because, of course, they need a cold divisional game. And it doesn't need to be in Green Bay this year. Doesn't I mean the, the last two years it's been so I'm very I am one of the weird ducks here that uh, loves the NFL schedule release so it should come out this week NFL Network and ESPN will do a bunch of stuff on it and I uh, follow uh, NFL schedule rumors on Twitter uh, that that's very interesting and intriguing not as good as a uh, Captain uh, Andrew Luck or the UMBC Athletics Twitter account but uh, Twitter handles but good nonetheless so looking forward to that. Was it three Sunday night games or the max, basically? Um, I mostly yeah, but then you could get flexed into a fourth. And a couple of, like five prime time games five, or six with yep, Thursday nights. Yep. Five prime time games. Okay, so I mean you've got a lot. Of, I mean you've got a lot of teams here, a lot of new teams, so you don't have to put the same old teams on, like the Rams. A lot of people are going to like the Rams. Yep. Um, like I, I like San Francisco, so you could put San Francisco somewhere. Uh, the Vikings, I think the Vikings should be on a lot. Yep. See how much they are. I agree. Uh, the, the Eagles, obviously, they'll they'll be on a lot. Texans, I but think, with got... Deshaun Watson, uh, Jaguars. It's going to be interesting. I I read an article about. Them, uh, I think it was Pro Football Talk today was talking about the Jaguars and being in prime time, but they're the 42nd ranked market. And they, you know, the last time they were on Monday Night Football, it was the the, the Jacksonville, the 42nd largest market. Um, but the last time they were on Monday Night Football, it was the lowest Monday Night Football game of the season. So like, you got to put them in. They have a they have two home games with New England and Pittsburgh that are pretty much locked into either late afternoon kickoff or prime time games. But I agree with you. Like, you look at all of the teams in the league this year, and you can make an argument that every team should get at least one primetime game outside of a Thursday night game. Like, Cleveland. Look at Cleveland. Like, you you have Tyrod Taylor. You have Jarvis Landry. You have some good pieces in place. Uh, Cleveland's interesting. Um... Uh, the, like Buffalo, yeah, you, I guess you're a little interesting here. You, you made it to the playoffs, so you deserve at least one game. Um, I just think there are a lot of teams that deserve or that are that are interesting to say the least that uh, should get one playoff at, at least one primetime game, maybe outside of the Thursday night. So there's a lot. I, I'm very curious to see how the NFL divvies this up. New England Pittsburgh like be probably a three fifteen game again three thirty mm-hmm. game. Uh, I think like New England at Jacksonville I think would be a good Monday night game. Yep. Um, Vikings Patriots would be uh, be uh, Sunday. Time. Yeah, Sunday night I'm thinking. Uh, Packers Patriots Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. They've got some there. Oh, Mets. It'll be great. It'll be fun. And uh, unfortunately, they're going to put a team like Chicago with uh, Scott Trubisky on multiple times, and that doesn't need to happen. Maybe the Jets don't get anything. Maybe they just get one. That would that would be uh, okay by me. Uh, I mean, you're because unfortunately, you're going to put the Giants on multiple times, even though they were in three and thirteen last year. It's because it's the New York market, and it's because you got Odell Beckham. 
Bears, Bears shouldn't get any games. I like the Bengals. The Bengals uh, shouldn't get any games. They're seven and nine. Nobody gives a shit about the Bengals. I give them two. Uh, I'll give them like a Thursday night, and then maybe like a Monday night somewhere. For Monday night games, um, I'm sure Oakland will be on a boatload. Mm-hmm. People love their coach. Uh, the Colts. I wouldn't put the Colts on more than one. Just because of Andrew uh, Luck and the uncertainty there. Giants. Give them Monday night games. Say that's it for the Giants. Don't care about the Giants. No, no uh, Cowboys Giants to open this, the regular season, please. Are you sure? I, I I hope that they don't. I mean, but they they've done it the last what three years, four of the last five, something like that. But I want to okay. I don't know if we did this last year, but I want to do this every year now. They release the schedule, look at the Monday night games, and just go through and say this game sucks, this game sucks, this game sucks, this game sucks. Oh yeah. And at the end of the year, at the end of the year, we'll go back and say did these games actually suck, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's not it doesn't seem very difficult to assume that yes, this game will suck. So I, I want to do that next week uh, if we got time or whenever yeah. that we want to do it. Yep. Nope. Say, I... No. This don't don't do this. Do not do this. We, we we might table it for a couple of weeks here because uh, next have... week will be our NFL mock draft extraordinaire. Uh, that's going to be a very good show. Uh, definitely want to stay tuned for that. I'm going to pull up the. Uh, the schedule last do you or should we just do that in a couple weeks the what last year's was we'll we'll, we'll do that quick i'm gonna pull it up here monday no. night monday night games yep from this year just yeah, go uh week by week well draft what do we do in uh every other picker my draft against I, I your think, draft i think we do yeah like our like uh my draft versus your draft. And we could, you know, we can alternate too if we want, but I think uh, we'll, we'll each unveil a, uh, a mock draft. Week here. one last week was fine. Viking Saints, perfect. Yep. Uh, Chargers, Broncos, perfectly fine. Yep. So that, that was two, good. Lions, Giants. I guess I don't have any problem with that. Sure, Lions, Giants, you want to do that? That's fine with me. Week three Cowboys, Cardinals. Again, fine with that. But did it end up being a good game? Like, was it... A... Probably not. But I'm just looking at it. I'm looking at it and saying, all right, am I fine with this game? Or, you know, oh, okay, sure. Red, okay. Redskins, Redskins Chiefs, sure. Why not? Redskins Chiefs, Indians versus Indians, week four. They don't play a ton. That's fine with me. So far, so good. Week five, Vikings, Bears. Not good. The dog should have a game. Um... Seems like they're always on Monday night. I, you know, I don't. I have no interest in playing Chicago on mm. a uh, primetime game. Nope, I agree. Well, Colts Titans, no Colts Titans. That's a game where I don't want to see it. See it on on my TV. Uh, Redskins Eagles rivalry, yep, whatever. Redskins run a lot. Broncos yeah. Chiefs rivalry game. That's fine. So halfway through the year, it didn't look terrible. Lions Packers, yep, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would expect Aaron Rodgers if they didn't have him. Right. Dolphins, Panthers, that's a game you look at and like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> probably don't need to see again. that one. A unique matchup, but something something not needed. Uh, Falcons, Seahawks, more than acceptable. Yep. A premier game if I ever saw one. Week 12, Texans, Ravens, that's one I don't need to see. So it was it wasn't terrible last year. Looks like 
No, it's just unfortunate that some the, the games ended up being shitty. You know, like Detroit and Green Bay. No Aaron Rodgers. It just... There's really no other way around it, but uh, it'll be interesting. Like I say, I always look forward to the schedule. I look forward to next week's show where we do the uh, mock draft. Uh, it should be very good. And uh, I look forward to the NFL draft next week, which I... I always, you know, I think I say this every year that the NFL draft is always intriguing to me. It's almost more intriguing than the actual games. But this year is really intriguing because I just don't know where, what any, what's going to happen in the top five. I really, like, this is as wide open of a top five, top ten, I think, that we've ever seen. Or we've seen in a yeah, long time I mean, anyway. We know there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the top Five, top ten. Top two of the top three, maybe, you know, if there's a trade at number two, some team trades up. So, a lot of movement, hopefully. Yeah, I don't expect to get many right here. I expect to get the first pick right. Maybe one more. Maybe one more later on in the draft. But, uh, I anticipate, I think, watching more of the drafts than I have in the last couple of years. So, Good. We will see. Very good. Give me, give me, give me Baker Mayfield. I'll go all in. A uh, little short shit, six foot yeah, tall. I've, Baker I've seen. I've picked. I've heard a lot of steam picking up that he's going three to the Jets. I think Josh Rosen's a better fit there. Um, Baker Mayfield at three. Would there be more pressure on Baker Mayfield at three to the Jets? Then say Josh Allen at five to the Broncos or eleven. Let's say the Bills trade up to number nine and take him at nine. What, who I would hope, have the most pressure? I think it'd be Baker Mayfield at three to the Jets. I think whoever goes. I mean, Denver is the best of those teams. They've shown they can be good. So hopefully, for Josh Allen's sake, he gets to go to a good team like Denver because I think he's a dog shit quarterback. So for his sake of being good, I go into the Jets would be bad. Um, then that'd be good if Denver could pick him up. I don't think I don't, I don't think Denver's picking a quarterback at one. I think they'll pick a quarterback at some point, but I don't think it's going to be the first pick. All right, well, the release of C.J. Anderson, they become play uh, today or on Monday. They become players in the in the Saquon Barkley sweepstakes. Uh, How does he get past Cleveland at four? Unless Cleveland wants to trade down, and that's a Cleveland. possibility. So they Cleveland would trade down because they have their quarterback, and you have some other quarterback needy team ahead of the Broncos. And you know, like I say, it could be the Bills. You know, the Bills and Browns could make a trade, and the the Bills then would take whoever. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, whoever's available. I don't think Josh Rosen would be a fit in Denver. I believe they would go with uh, either Baker Mayfield or um, or Josh Allen. But if Saquon Barkley fell to them at five, I think they would do it. The other thing you could look at, too, with Cleveland is if uh, Bradley Chubb is there at four, because you signed Carlos Hyde in the offseason, and I get it, I, wouldn't, this is, I think Saquon Barkley is as big of a lock as I can remember, amongst the running backs. We talked about like Leonard Fournette last year. Very good. I liked Ezekiel Elliott a couple years ago to Dallas. Uh, this Saquon Barkley, I, he, I mean, he is phenomenal. We saw what he did at Penn State last year, you know, the last couple of years. I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, I think Denver is a, if 
if he if Saquon Barkley lasts five to Denver, Denver it shouldn't even take them more than a minute. You just race that card up there and say Saquon Barkley's name. No no questions asked. The only scenario in which he gets to five is I think quarterbacks have to go one, two, three. Yes. Yep. And then and then uh you know, Chubb or Barkley, you know, likely to be that first player taken that's not a quarterback. So Yeah. I mean if if you're uh if you're Cleveland I mean, it's coming I mean, again. Who knows how good anybody's going to be? It's, it's just so tough. Yep. Like, you could likely get a, a, a good running back later on. Bradley Chubb, I don't know. He'll be good. And maybe you take him because defensive ends are. I heard somebody say, like, defensive ends are tough to come by. The only thing, like, look at the Vikings' defensive ends. Like, Brian Robinson was a mid round pick. Mm-hmm. Janiel Hunter, Everson Griffin, they were mid round picks. Mm-hmm. They've all great. So, I don't know. It's, it's with anything. I mean, it's, it's the luck of the draw. It is. If you, thought, if you think, though, you could put Bradley Chubb and Miles Garrett on uh, on that D-line, that would be scary for years to come, potentially. Now, if they're both as good, Miles Garrett appeared to be fine. If they're both as good as people think they are, that would be a good choice. Yep. We'll have, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. That's for sure. Anything else, Krenz, before we say so long? Uh, I believe that should be it. All Nick right. Pavetta. Nick Pavetta. Phillies. Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta. Philly. Remember Philly. the name. Fort Minor. Remember the name. Give me that yes. Sure. Fort, uh, Fort Minor sings remember the name. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not saying the Phillies are my new Astros, but I like the Phillies a whole hell of a lot. Uh, what about the White Sox? Okay. I mean, they're fine. They're still a couple of years away, but they're. No. I like the Phillies. I like the Phillies. I like Gabe Kapler. That like sucks that you Finch. have to like a team from Philadelphia. I just got to be honest here. I mean, it, I, I, you know what? I, I do like Villanova, but I'm not like going all. Sixers. Sixers are fun to watch. Sixers might be the future of basketball if they can get LeBron. So, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, whatever. <laughs> Very Phillies. good. It's all Phillies. All Phillies. And what's the Nick Pavetta? Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta. Phillies. A name you never forget. I hope to hell not. Give <laughs> give me all the stock. Very good. I'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, more snow. We got more snow coming Tuesday night into Wednesday. Another couple inches because why the hell not? <laughs> spring will never uh, spring up in Mitchell this year. That's... The thing about it is, all this shit's got to melt. It's not like it's going gonna, gonna to be like 40s. So it, it's going to be a while for this to melt. And uh, oh, baseball, baseball, spring baseball, golf, track, all these things. Screwed. Next week, not, not, not likely. If you need to uh, rat, you know, get a raft if, for to get in the street and get over to Culver's, that's, that's the big thing. Culver's. I think I've, honest to Christ, I think I've been inside of a Culver's once in my life. Wow. Wow. Um, we had it during, uh, we would have it during halftime of football games. Yes. That, that, that would satisfy, I would suppose. But, no, no, I think I've been to Culver's once. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Better, better do that. Uh, get the concrete. It's very good. Culver's Concrete, their version of the blizzard. Very good. Uh, All right, we'll talk to you next week.
Travis Krenz joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective. As always, great stuff there. Uh, yeah, NFL mock draft next week. Great NFL mock schedule or schedule this week. Again, just to go through quickly what I have because you're so, you're you're dying to know. I know you are. Uh, at Philadelphia, week one, Thursday night, uh, home against Detroit, eight thirty p.m. Eastern, ESPN Monday Night Football, week two. Highly doubt it's going to happen. Week 3 at the Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Week 4, home to San Francisco, 1 p.m. Eastern on Fox. I feel like that could be a primetime game, maybe a late afternoon kickoff. At the LA Rams, 4.25 p.m. Eastern on Fox, week 5. Home to Buffalo, 1 p.m. Eastern, CBS, week 6. Week 7, Ed Sheeran concert, no game in uh, in at U.S. Bank Stadium. At Green Bay, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time. Week 8, bye. Week 9, New Orleans. 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. That's a game at home. At week 10 at New England, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday Night Football NBC. Week 11, home to Chicago, 1 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Week 12, home to Green Bay, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. It's Thursday Night Football on Thanksgiving. At Seattle, week 13, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Final four games of the year at this point, all noon. Home to Arizona, week 14 on Fox. Week 15 at Chicago on Fox. Week 16, home to Miami on CBS. Week 17 at Detroit. Uh, we'll see how many of those I can get right. Highly unlikely I will get any of Yeah, we'll get one, maybe two. We'll, 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 we'll one more for sure outside of Philadelphia. Hopefully. Uh, anyway, coming up next, Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic joining us. Uh, to discuss the and the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, what we've seen through the first week. Hopefully we get Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast to wrap up this week's edition of the podcast, look at the defensive prospects, defensive players in the NFL. You can find this... Uh, I, bleh, you can find this podcast available on iTunes. Just search the sports block. Also follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Otherwise on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Link posted to, the, to those sites, middle part of the week. Uh, link to this podcast. Coming up next, though, Marcus Traxler. Talking Stanley Cup playoffs. Wild? Capitals suck? Vegas? They're doing good. It's all coming up here. Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here, Sports Block Podcast. Pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. And uh, we're going to be talking some Stanley Cup playoffs. Marcus, uh, how are you? how have you been? How have you enjoyed the playoffs thus far? I'm good. I've enjoyed them uh, a fair amount so far. Uh, we haven't had a ton of uh, overtime games. We had the two in the Capitals series, and we had the double overtime uh, with with uh, Vegas. Yep. But that's not about the extent of it so far. I mean, there's, there's certainly been some good games, uh, both games that haven't gone overtime, and we got some, certainly some blowouts. I think more than we would have expected in the first uh, first three games for most of these series. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love playoff overtime hockey i don't think there's hardly anything better you mentioned the capitals let's just start there i i went to the well i think one too many times i tried it one more year i thought maybe this year the capitals not a lot of pressure or not as much pressure on them this year with everyone focused on pittsburgh and you know boston and tampa bay were very good so it it was just can you get by columbus here with sergey bobrovsky and you know what washington has been able to score uh, their power play has been very effective against Columbus, but 
between dumb penalties and some very poor goaltending there. Uh, Grubauer, is that what is his name, the, the, who started games one and two for Washington? Why the hell is he in net and not Braden Holtby? I, I have no idea. I honestly, uh, I, I, I thought Holtby was still on the team, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't paid much attention to who was even in goal, but you basically said exactly what I would, would have said. Their goaltending just has not been good enough to get them, uh, get them two wins. I mean, their offense was good enough. These are obviously both teams that went to overtime, both one-goal decisions. And uh, games that, honestly, they probably should have won. Now, I'm just going to kind of jump ahead to where I think you might be going here. I think the Capitals, of all the teams that are in the hold here, are the most likely to dig themselves out. I mean, I just mm-hmm. don't think they play that badly. Uh, it's, it's bad fortune for sure, and you don't see many teams. I don't think a team's ever come out of a 2-0, 2 uh, 2-0 deficit when both games have been lost in overtime at home. So I, I think this is a... Uh, it's a tough spot for sure. You got to put four out of the next five, but um, I think that they're maybe the best equipped just simply because their offense is very good. And I think um, they know what what the situation is, and, and I think they'll they'll find a way to to win a lot of this, uh, or at least get it back uh, on home ice. You know, no worse than you know they're not going to get swept. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Boy, I mean, if it does, that would just be. In, insane. I mean, this is a team. Think about the the talent on this team between you know Alex Ovechkin, obviously, and you got T.J. Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom. I, I mean, there's just no rhyme or reason for why this team can't do it. And the only thing I can think of is that it's just the franchise history in the playoffs. It hasn't been kind to them, and they just psych themselves out and just do dumb stuff in the playoffs that they wouldn't do in a regular season game. It's the only thing I could think of as to why this team is as bad as they are and makes as boneheaded decisions as they do in the playoffs. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, we just we know this obviously because this is you know uh, to be to be frank, we don't talk about hockey in the middle of January. We're talking about it when it's in the playoffs. That's when it's a different animal. I think that's where the challenge lies for this team. They've got to beat the demons that are kind of in their own head. I think, and uh, I you know. When you're down 2 0, that's maybe a chance where you look inside and really evaluate what you need to do to, to advance because um, they're going to be tested for sure, at, at, you know, more so mentally than anything, to make sure that they can find a way to figure this out and potentially save this series. But, I mean, if you, if we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about this right now, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say that they're going to win this series. I think they've got a good chance of digging out of it, but, uh, you look at, you know, potentially facing Philadelphia or uh, Pittsburgh at this stage, two teams that are scoring pretty well, uh, and I think it's a very difficult road to the to the Stanley Cup final for Washington, especially uh, in the light of how their series has unfolded so far. Absolutely agreed. Uh, you know, you mentioned they'll play either the Penguins or the Flyers. Uh, Sidney Crosby, I don't think we have to say anything other than how remarkable he is, another four-point effort in Game three, uh, Penguins, as of the recording of this podcast, a 2-1 series lead. Uh, the Flyers did show me something in game two, a nice answer after that embarrassing 7-0 loss in game one, but I don't, I just don't see how they're going to be able to stop uh, Sid the Kid, Evgeny Malkin and company. I, I mean, I think the Penguins will win this series, I'll say in no more than six games, but uh, I mean... If they swept him in Philly and then uh, won Game Five in Pittsburgh, that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, I would agree. And, and you know, the thing I liked from Philadelphia is 
you know, they lost, what was it, 7-0, in that first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they kind of went to Dave Hackstall, the former UND coach, and they kind of said, well, what are you going to change? What are you going to do different? He's kind of like, nothing. we got to play a lot better. You know, he just kind of knew they were capable of that, and they responded. So it's nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see that he had a little bit of faith in his, in his guys. I don't really think it's going to make much of a difference in this series. I think Pittsburgh's still going to win this. I would probably agree with you. This feels like it maybe goes to a sixth game. But, uh, you know, the way Crosby's playing right now, and it just seems like one of those players that maybe, uh, you know, he's not going to be the MVP this year, you know, maybe not the, the top of the line player this season, but he's always the player you can't count out. I mean, he's just, he's, when the postseason comes around, he's dangerous. And I think, what was it, the other night, uh, in one of the first two games he had, less than the first game, he had four shots, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that's incredible. So, he, I mean, he was, he's on, on his game, and that's a very difficult proposition for Philadelphia at this stage. I really want to try and get into this Tampa Bay, New Jersey uh, series. I, 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 you know, when the North Stars left, the Devils were one of the teams that I really liked cheering for in large part because of Martin Brodeur. And I mean, we, we know Taylor Hall's very good, but honestly, they just, this series is just, it feels so uninteresting to me. I, I think Tampa Bay is head and shoulders better than, than the Devils. And I mean, I, I'll give New Jersey a game, but I can't see this series going more than five games with the way it's played out so far with the with Tampa Bay taking the first two in Tampa's convincing lead, for the most part, as they did. Yeah, it's, it's uh, great that New, New Jersey is doing what they've done all year. Fall behind big, uh, rally back. I think that was the case in game one and, and came up a goal short. Um, they're in a difficult spot. If we were talking about the NBA playoffs, this would be the NBA TV series because I don't think I've seen any of uh, the actual games, I've seen the highlights of these, uh, just kind of the invisible invisible series to me. So, um, you know, Tampa Bay kind of doing what I think people expected. Uh, they would be my, you know, team in this scenario to advance fairly easily. And this may be, uh, I mean, aside from Vegas, this might be the best uh, sweep candidate in the East. No, no doubt about it, that's for sure. Uh, and then there's no love lost between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. Uh, between the hit leveled in Game 1 uh, by the Maple Leafs on the Bruins. Uh, who is it? Uh, Ke- I'll, I'll get the name of it here, but he was, you know, the guy was... His just, last like, name was five letters. Kadri. I don't remember it, It's Nazim, it Nazim Kadri. I mean, or, yes, you know, Kadri. Apologies yes, but, to his family uh, if we slaughtered that name. But he had that nasty hit, uh, got suspended for Game 2. Boston clearly uh, wanted to send a message. They scored the first four goals in game two, wound up winning seven to three. Uh, they just have torched the Maple Leafs in Boston here. I thought maybe the series could go the distance, but Boston is clearly the better team. At least they've been through the first two games. Yeah, another team that's offensively dangerous. Just a lot of skilled players that have really uh, been terrific for them thus far this season, this playoff. And uh, I think Saturday was when they played, and every time I had it kind of on the secondary. TV and every time I looked up, I mean, they'd added another goal in that first period. Mm-hmm. And a uh, great way to sort of jump all over Toronto. I think this series probably pivots a little bit, you know, more closer to Toronto when they get get it going in game three. But uh, so far, so good for Boston. Has, has anything happened on the east side so far that makes you change any of your opinions prior to when the playoffs started last week? Well, I mean, I, I think I'd be naive to not at least 
give Columbus a little bit more credit. I mean, we we we, we focus on Washington when we talk about them. So certainly Columbus for for being able to go and get two games on the road, they're in such a great position now to advance. Um, that I I mean, and, and they've played Pittsburgh before. Uh, that's not a, a foreign postseason matchup. So mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see exactly how that the rest of that series goes. Um, I'm not ready to jump off any of the picks quite yet. I think I had Pittsburgh, uh, Tampa, and I do believe I had uh, I had Boston as well. So mm-hmm. uh, this this seems about right so far, aside from the Washington. Series. Yeah, uh, Kirk Herbstreit happy about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> On the West, I don't know how we can explain what the Vegas Golden Knights have done so far, taking the first three games of the series with the Kings, uh, that three-goal spurt that they had in Game 3, especially impressive uh, on the road in L.A. You met, I mean, Eric Holla, former Wild player, scores the game-winning goal in Game 2 in double overtime. I mean, the only reason this series is in any, like, that the Kings have had a chance is because Jonathan Quick has stood on his head, but I mean, obviously they wanted to slow this series down, and Vegas said, no, we're going to use our speed. We're going to pepper you with shots. And they've just outplayed the Kings, and I've, I'm slightly surprised at that. Yeah, you know, I thought that the, the strategy worked better in Game 2. Obviously, that was the game that went to double overtime, um, and it was 1-1 for, you know, 90 minutes, basically. Um, but I thought that it was a situation where, you know, Vegas kind of operated with, with the run of play, was able to get a breakout, and you have the, the goal follow. And, uh, I mean, I was especially impressed with, with Game 3 on Sunday. Like you said, that seemed, it, it never seemed safe for LA, you know, up 1-0, and then they just completely turned the game on its head in a matter of a couple minutes with three goals. And, uh, I mean, I, to me, the series is over. I just don't see the King coming back and winning this uh, after a huge turn of events like that. Now, this is the Pacific Division, so weird stuff certainly does happen in the playoffs, but I just don't think it's going to happen here, and uh, I think Vegas is going to move. I mean, at this point, would you... I, I, I think Vegas is uh, is the heavy, heavy favorite now to get to the Western Final. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, no doubt. Uh, whether that be against Nashville or Winnipeg, you know, or the Wild or the Avs, I guess... Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I thought Game 2 was, if the Kings had won Game 2, I think obviously we'd be singing a different narrative here at this point because yeah. either Vegas or L.A. would be up 2-1. to one. But if Vegas could have won Game, or if, if L.A. could have won Game 2 without one of their defensemen, Dowtry who got uh, suspended. Yeah, Drew Doughty. Yep. Yeah, Drew Doughty for, uh, for that hit. Uh, in Game 1. If they were able to steal that one, that would have swung all of the momentum in their favor, I think then they would have been be considered the favorites to win the series, regardless of what would happen necessarily in Game 3. But but for the or for Vegas to win that game, uh, I thought was very huge, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say the exact same thing about Game 2. That felt like game L.A. had to win, considering the way it had unfolded you know, in overtime and, and that sort of thing. And I, I think it's you know, if they're able to get a split in that scenario, then even if they do lose game three, even in the debilitating fashion that it was, you could maybe make the case that they could salvage it. But this is 3-0. I just don't see this Kings team, like we said last week, not the team of old. 
Uh, Jonathan Quick is still terrific, but offensively, uh, they do not have the firepower they once had, and that, I think, is the biggest difference. Uh, and Vegas, I mean, just impressive. The, the guys they, kill, they go to, they, you know, every single player on this team steps up. Flurry, mm-hmm. who you know has always kind of been a postseason question mark, has been really solid in this series. So uh, they are in a good spot, for sure. Uh, they will face either the Ducks or the Sharks. The Sharks took uh, both games in Anaheim to open that series up. Uh, I'm a little surprised by that. But then again, given the injuries that the Ducks have had, maybe that's why the Sharks didn't play the Wild as as hard as they perhaps could have in that regular season finale because they wanted the Ducks. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't have any proof of that, but with the way that this series has gone so far, certainly uh, San Jose has looked like the better team and Anaheim is in a world of hurt. That's a heavy accusation to be weighing down. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, you may be right, you may be wrong. Regardless, uh, they ended up in a really good position here. Um, you know, I, this feels like a series that may still turn a couple more times before it's over, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't trust either of these teams. And uh, it's just one of those things where it's only right that they play each other in, in that way. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, I don't have a real good sense of exactly how this is all going to shake out, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get through the first four games and the road teams won three times. I mean, that, that seems yep. about right. And then if you get into a scenario, we've, we seem to see it every playoffs. You get a scenario where you come back home, you're down 3-1, and you salvage that series, maybe get it to seven. I could see that in this series. Yeah, you know what? I, and I agree with you. I think, again, the, the Ducks with the injuries, that's a concern, but they do have the power, you know, Getzloff and, and Perry and, and yeah. those guys. So, I mean, there's there's no doubt they can get back in this series. It's just a matter of can they overcome all of the injuries that they've suffered. I've been very impressed with the Colorado Avalanche so far in the, the series against the Predators. Yes. They don't give up at all. Uh, Pecorene has not been solid in net for Nashville, but Nashville's just they just have too much firepower you know, between like Victor Arvidsson and Philippe Forsberg and you know uh, Sessions or Sesson. I mean they they just have it all. So it seems like no matter what Colorado can do, no matter if they can get up by a goal or two. Nashville just has an answer. Too many answers for Colorado to overcome. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, to be honest, the Peke, Peke Rene that we saw last year in the playoffs, to me, was a mirage. I, mean, I just didn't think that a lot of us, I didn't think we'd see that, you know, continuously in the postseason. Because he hadn't really shown that previously. So I think we, I mean, not that he's as bad as he necessarily has been in these first two games, but Nashville offensively is just able to over overcome a lot of that. That's a great position to be in. Can't agree with you more on Colorado. They've played valiantly in the first two games, deserving of at least a win. And I like that this series might go a little bit longer. I think Nashville, uh, you know, certainly is, is probably, I mean, they're a heavy favorite, and rightfully so, but a uh, test in the first round uh, would maybe, uh, you know, be a message worth sending to them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and because they will play either the Wild or the Jets. Uh, so, I mean, that's the last series we're getting to here. The Wild, a big win in Game 3 against the Jets. Uh, they played in the first two games in Winnipeg. The Wild played good for two periods, and they were yep. out, thoroughly outplayed in the other four, and it showed. by. I mean, 
if they could have stolen game one, I'd feel so much better about this series. Again, based on the result of game three, the Wild would be up two to one. But when game when game one happened the way it did with the Wild getting up two to one in the third period and then that lead lasting all of 53 seconds and the Jets wound up winning three to two, I said, okay, they're not going to win game two. I just went in not expecting yeah. them to win based on just how how much firepower the Jets have uh, between Patrick Lane and you know Wheeler and, and Bufflin. And they've been hitting a lot in this series. Have you been surprised by the uh, uh, the physicality of this series thus far? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it seemed like it was maybe speed against lesser speed, uh, and then the Wild maybe being the team with the lesser speed here. Uh, but it's the playoffs, and you have to have some physicality. I think that's the kind of part of, how this works, and I think the team that goes and gets that gets a huge advantage. Uh, Winnipeg did that the first two games. I, I mean, Buffalo was a big reason for that. Uh, I thought the Wild counted that well enough in Game Three to give themselves a chance. Clearly, I mean, mm-hmm. they got to the dirty areas. They they gave some you know, gave themselves some chances. Uh, you know, close to the net, they had to bother uh, Connor Hellebuck, and they did that. So to me, that was good to see. Um, I would agree with what you said. You know, the Wild were not deserving to win either of those first two games. And uh, with the way they played, uh, they would have been very fortunate to have stolen game one if that were to have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Winnipeg deserved those. I mean, Winnipeg played great. We're seeing why Patrick Line is going to be a force probably for the next uh, 10 to 15 years in this league. And uh, it's just one of those things where, similar to what you said, I, I completely agreed with with your take on one and two. You know, if, if if the Wild were so close in game one, I didn't feel like they had much of a chance in game two, and that's exactly how it played out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get a similar feeling now on game four that uh, this will be a bitterly close game. I, I yes. just don't see Minnesota blowing them out, and I don't think Winnipeg will, will blow out Minnesota. So it's one of those games that it feels like, okay, now we're coming back to a uh, very close one-goal game to the end, and... Uh, you know, I think if Dubnik plays close to how he played in games one and two, and the offense stays there, the Wild have a chance to even the series. But I think the money's probably got to be on Winnipeg. I just can't see them playing as poorly as they did in the first I, or in the third game. I agree. And do you think the traveling issue had something to do with that, with Winnipeg not getting into St. Paul until Sunday? You know, they fl- tried to get in Saturday night, flew to Duluth, and then flew back to to Winnipeg. I don't necessarily understand why they did it, but I mean, yeah. it's a short enough flight that I guess you have that luxury to do so if you uh, so chose. Uh, what do you What do you think that the traveling issue, how big of a factor was that in Game 3 for the Jets? To me, it, you know, like before the game, it was too easy to chalk anything up to that, but you watch the way they played. I mean, they got beat. I, I think that's very clear, but it was such a weird way of handling that. Um, you know, where it, it just seemed like uh, that's not the best scenario to, to have in a playoff game when you're going on the road. I will say, wasn't it, uh, I, I can't remember if it was when the Wild played Chicago or Dallas. I think it was Dallas. That wasn't there like two days between a game. They Minnesota flew down for game one, then flew back, and then came back down for game two. I think that's how that went. Yeah. I and that, like to me, right. that, doesn't make any, that doesn't make any more sense either. So, yeah, I, for some reason, teams kind of have these weird patterns uh, in the playoffs sometimes, and I don't think it ever really benefits you. So uh, it was odd. I wouldn't necessarily chalk it up to the travel, but I I mean, it's, it, it's weird for sure. 
Devin Dubnik has played outstanding so far in this series. He's given up, in my mind, two soft goals. The second goal against the Jets in Game 3, and then, I mean, maybe the the one that slightly deflected off Charlie Coyle in Game 1. I mean, he probably gave up another soft one there in Game 2, but by that point it was it was all but gone at that point. But he's the only reason why the Wild have even had a chance so far in this series. I would agree. I wasn't thrilled with either of the goals he gave up in game three. That that you know little stuff job. Yes, yep, yeah, I forgot goal. that one. Post yesterday, that was, or, or, uh, on Sunday, that wasn't great. And then I thought the shot that kind of went over his shoulder, the second goal they had, wasn't a great one to give up either. I think you just misjudged but that one. You can live with. I, to me, I, you can live with that. And I think in a sixty-two game, you're probably uh, you know picking at, at some issues. But um, I can I would agree. Games one and two, he was he was pretty solid and maybe one or two blips that, that you don't want to have. But the Wild offensively, in those two games, did not play well enough to win anyway. So, to me, I, I, he's faultless in those games. And uh, if he plays, you know, sort of at the sum of his parts in game four, the Wild are going to have a chance. I really think I really think so. And, and for as long as they're in this series, to be honest, I think they'll have a great chance if he can kind of just keep that going. Yeah, all they have to do is get shot, uh, shots on, uh, on Hellebuck there. Because he... They didn't test him in games one or two. So and yeah. I think what his performance in games one and two, I think the numbers kind of lead you astray from what actually happened. He just wasn't tested in the wild when they got some good shots on him in, in game three. He just he couldn't do it. And, I mean, the third period was just more or less a like, okay, let's just get the 20 minutes done. Let's get game three over with because, yeah. I mean, the wild didn't really care at all at that point and Hellebuck wasn't even in net at the, at that point either Parise's played really good um so so that's great to see power play I've, I've been I thought game three's officiating was terrible I really haven't been a fan of the officiating in this series in general but uh very inconsistent at least early on in game three the point the point was made in game three and I not in game but after the game about how you know they're calling the series kind of like you would call the regular season you know, the slash on the hands uh, very early in Game 3 is a call you probably make during the regular season. You know, people usually expect more. You let more go in the playoffs, and they're calling it the exact same. So they're kind of dealing with an equivalency issue in my book on that. Um, I think that I, I do want to go back to your point you had about, the, you know, testing Hellebuck. I, you know, I don't know what Bruce Boudreaux said between Games 2 and 3, but if it were me, I would have just walked into the – you know, dressing room, and I would have just wrote, you know, 84 to 35 or whatever the shot yeah. was in the yeah. first two games, and I would just say, what are we going to do about this? Because we can't go on playing like this. And, and to me, that was just so inexplicable. You got, I mean, you, just, you have to find a way to put at least 25 shots on net each game, I think. And so, you know, it's just uh, the fact that they were sort of able to turn things around and test them. I, I, I agree with you. We're agreeing a lot tonight. Yes, we are. No, that's, that's okay. I mean, this is the show of competitive it, agreement, right? It is. It is very much so. And so, you know, the fact that they're able to, to put them on their heels a little bit. I mean, I just, I felt like in the first two games, so much of the Jets' speed was the problem. And I don't think you can really outrun and gun this team. I don't think you can out-physical them either. Mm-mm. You know, and that that wouldn't be a good strategy for the Wild either. But they, I thought they kind of found a happy medium in game three. And if they can keep that going going forward, this could be a lengthy series, which is what you and I really would like to see. Yeah. I, I don't oh, think, yeah. even after three games, we can really for, say for sure that the Wild are in a position where they're going to win this series, but 
uh, let's at least stretch this thing out and see what happens. Absolutely. And you know what? That just means like our that we have great hockey minds between you and I, that we were seeing this uh, <laughs> pretty clearly, and hopefully we get our predictions right for the most part. That means you, Washington. That means you. That's Win games three and four in Columbus. Uh, last question here for you. Anything then on the West Western Conference side, like I asked you about the East, anything in the West that has made you change your mind at all about anything? <laughs> Vegas probably? Yeah, Vegas looks great. And I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to really know uh, what's going to happen in this central pod, but I think that that series with Nashville and potentially Winnipeg would be a great series. I I think that could be a lot of fun. I I certainly would be fine with the Wild being there. Um, And uh, it is worth mentioning now, Stack. I I think on last week's show I mentioned I was trying to go to Game 3. The snow got in the way. Yep. Uh, for the wild. So game four, we're giving it a shot and we're going to try to be there. So that will be my first, uh, wild game regular season or postseason. So this, uh, this is a true test of, uh, what kind of hockey fan I am. And, uh, I'm hoping I don't at least, uh, derail the whole postseason wow. by making an appearance at the X100. If anything, the, the mere fact now that the wild will know that you're coming, you should just tweet them and say, Hey, this is my first game, and they'll be like, "Well, oh my God, Mark Strax, or whatever. We gotta, we gotta make sure we get him a win. We gotta even this series up, and then if you win, you gotta go to Game Six. Then potentially, I, right? That would be that would be the the, the uh, situation. I think they'd have to count me tickets for that game. I think I, I mean, at, at that point, so if they can comp PA tickets for that, I think they can comp you for some tickets. I don't think that's I'm, a. I'm right. I mean, we're one and two. We're right there. I think. Yeah. Of course. On that list, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you guys cover, like, you were in the same stadium with Paul Allen for the opening regular season game with the uh, against the Green Bay Packers for the Vikings when they opened U.S. Bank Stadium two years ago. I mean, that did... That's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. They, they wouldn't do that for anyone. They, they'll do it for you. <laughs> Marcus, I appreciate the time true. as always. Enjoy uh, game four of the Jets Wild Series, and uh, we'll talk uh, in a couple weeks uh, and see where we're at with these playoffs. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic. Appreciate his time and efforts. As always, great stuff there. Yeah, we agree a lot, but that's okay. You know, the points don't matter because there aren't any points to be given. This isn't, whose line is it anyway? This isn't around the horn. It's fine. It's good hockey talk. Good hockey talk. Good puck talk. There with Marcus Traxler. Coming up next, hope to have Jeff Lloyd Second on Lockdown Browns podcast. Look at the defensive players for uh, you know for the prospects for the draft. See who he likes. I know he likes Derwin James. See what else and wrap up the show. A couple other thoughts here on this week's edition of the Sports Block podcast. We are pleased to be joined by Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. You've heard him frequently on here. Uh, very much appreciate his perspective and uh jeff welcome back uh we are a week away a week of change away how excited are you uh, oof, uh excited yes uh making it over the next seven days um probably like an old car with two hundred thousand miles that probably needs some engine work and maybe a new trans it's <laughs> it's when you have a draft that's just so heavy with quarterbacks everything is just Amplify, you know the buzz, the you know the you know the smoke, all you know everything. Really, it's just ten times greater when it's a quarterback heavy draft. And you know, I, I look. I mean, for the NFL, this is great. This is you know, quarterbacks are what sell drafts. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, to cover it and talk about it as much as I do, yeah, it's it, it's been tough. <laughs> it's been tough. But uh, you know, look, uh, seven days away now, and you know, 
let's go. Let's go. How many podcasts or radio shows have you either done or been on uh, within <sighs> the last month? Uh, let's see. Where are we about here? It's April. Uh, it's 819. Yeah, 30 to 40. 30 to 40, probably. Well, we appreciate you coming on here. Uh, always appreciate the time. As I said, we're focusing on the defensive prospects uh, this week. Obviously, Bradley Chubb, defensive end from North Carolina State, uh, very highly ranked, you know, probably going to go top five, maybe top two. I, I think the Giants should take him, but uh, that's just me. Who is he, is he the best defensive player in this group, do you think? If you want to say, is he the best all-around defensive player in this class, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I, think he'll, you know, I, I think he's very good versus the run. I think he's a solid pass rusher. I will say I don't think he is the best pass rusher in the class. I think Harold Landry is a better overall pass rusher, but he's coming in more as of an edge, and he does contribute in you know run defense and you know and he does well. But all around, Bradley Chubb is yes the best defensive player in this draft, and I would say his floor would probably be six to the Colts if they end up staying there. You mentioned Landry, the kid from Boston College. I've seen a lot of fluctuation with where he's expected to be drafted, anywhere from the mid-teens to the you know to the low twenties. For a guy as, as good as he has been throughout his career at Boston College, and you know the last couple of years especially, why do you think there's so much fluctuation with him? You know, do we think he could get up in that high like high teens sort of sort of range, or where do we see him going? I think he should go even higher than that. Um, I think a lot of what people had was his 17. He was injured most of the year. Uh, you know, still put together a couple of good games. The Virginia Tech game, he looks fantastic. But if you go back and you watch 2016 and Boston College, was it was a terrible team. There was one good thing about Boston College in 2016, and it was Harold Landry. Uh, he's got a ridiculous first couple of steps. If you go back and watch him play against Florida State in 2016, they got they got whitewashed. But he was a star, beating up on DeAndre Francois, chasing Dalvin Cook down from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, his pass rushing skills, again, just he's such a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I, I think, you know, every now and then with a classic high, kind of just gets unnoticed. Uh, I, I wouldn't be stunned if San Francisco took him at nine because you, you're getting a guy right off the bat who's going to bring you double-digit sack ability. And for a guy who can bring that, it, it does seem kind of odd. I, I know Todd McShay did something the other day where he put him to uh, Tennessee at 25 and actually called it a reach, which I just find mind-boggling. Uh, you know, when you're looking to draft for help on your defense, you know, what are you looking for? You're looking for guys who can sack the quarterback. Right. You know, people want that usually over coverage. You want guys who are going to make sure the quarterback doesn't even throw the ball, and that is what Harold Landry brings you. Well, Luke Keekley went to Boston College, right? So yes, that, doesn't this kind of give you a sense? Now, it, obviously, you don't look at one guy and say, oh, and just – transfer it over to the next guy and say oh yeah he'll be really good but Landry it, who do you think is better between the two Landry or uh, Keekley when he was coming out well different I mean Keekley was good in his role he was just a ridiculous tackle machine you know how to you know his read reaction skills were fantastic mm-hmm. uh you know Landry he's just he's just got that first couple steps and he, and he beats most of the guys with it but the other thing is, is he's got pass rush moves after it he's got to swim he's got to spin he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a great athlete. He's got a good tool bat. I it just it, for me, I, I, and it's even you know, and I've done this a ton with the with the Brown shows. For what Cleveland needs, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily need a fully functional defensive end. They need the best pass rusher they can add on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. Yep. Me personally, if they told me to take Harold Landry was the selection at four, 
I, I would be ecstatic with it because I think it's addressing, you know, some people don't draft for what you need, but in the same respect, though, you never hear an NFL general manager say, huh, you know, the problem is we've got too many pass rushers on this team. What a terrible problem to have. <laughs> I mean, look at what Jacksonville did. Like, yeah. You know, how much they turned it around last year. Go yep. to how the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's the number. Look, if the quarterback is not getting the time he needs, that's it. You've won. So if, if you can just keep addressing that, by all means, do it. It doesn't really matter who's playing in your secondary if you're getting home consistently. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. Uh, any other defensive ends that you think um, will go either fairly high or that would be nice picks in the middle to later rounds? Uh, I think Marcus Davenport at UTSA. Look, oh, yes. there's going to yep. be some work there. Uh, I, I have a feeling some people are going to watch his rookie year and say, oh, you know, he's a little bit of a disappointment. But I think that's going to be from the fact that he's taken such a major jump in competition. I think, it, and the only way he's going to basically, the only way to learn what you don't know is to go out there and basically learn what you don't know. So here's a guy, yes, you may get a bigger return on him his second year in the league after he's physically played the game and now he knows internally in his mind what he needs to work on to get better to compete at this level. Uh, a guy that doesn't really get talked about a lot because he's injured the entire draft circle, uh, Duke Edgia four out of Wake Forest. Uh, talked to some guys who competed in the ACC. They all agreed that he was one of the most difficult people to play against this past season. Good player, really forgotten due to the fact that you know he's – Basically, you got no testing numbers on him whatsoever. So it's a tough spot for him. But here's a guy you're probably going to get in the third round. He's going to give you back a seriously, seriously good return. Rasheem Green, uh, USC, he's interesting because he can play inside and outside. Gets up the field quickly. He's a guy that you can probably play him inside in nickel and dime situations. And you're going to get some pass rush out of him. So, you know, I, I like a guy like that. And then you go back over to, you know, to the edge the, uh, edge guys. Uh, this is interesting because you have some guys who are really good producers and then you have some guys who are really good athletically, and you know, are, are they going to you know rise once they get to the league? You know, guys like Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia, Kamoko uh, Ture out of Rutgers. Here's a guy two years ago everybody loved. Um, kind of just you know fell stagnant in the last few years at Rutgers, dealt with a bunch of injuries. Still a ridiculously good athlete and tested through the roof. Josh Sweat out of Florida State. Once they got the knee brace off him after a serious injury almost four years ago his testing numbers were insane for a man at 260 pounds. Uh, Ucheni Nwoso out of USC. Here's a guy, uh, testing-wise and way he measured, uh, almost a carbon copy of Khalil Mack. Obviously, not the production, but here's also, you're not going to be drafting him, you know, top five, top six. You can get him in the third round, and he should be more than willing to contribute, and he does more than just get after the passer. You know, he can cover a little bit, he can chase down running backs. Uh, and then there's the biggest wild card of it all, an Arden Key. There was a guy three years ago people had cemented as one of the top three or four picks in the 2019 NFL draft, and it's just all over the map. I mean, he's been a re- he's been a rehab for, for, for weed. Uh, his weight fluctuates from 280 down to 238. Uh, he tested ridiculously bad at LSU's pro day. Uh, you know, I think he was in the you know, mid four nines or some people. Oh, well, it was a little better than that. Look, if you're in the four nines, even a little better than that, it's still bad. Arden Key is a guy for the price that's going to be paid. I'm not going to touch. If somebody wants to draft him in the second round or even a top 75, I'm not paying that price because there's just too many question marks and flags that go along with a kid like this. And then the fact that his best tape is two years ago. The defensive tackle position, uh, you have Vitavia from Washington and Deron Payne from Alabama. They're very good. After that, is there a large drop-off between those two guys and the rest of the field? Uh, I think Maurice Hurst deserves to be mentioned in there. But, of course, that's going to come down to 
whether or not your doctors are going to sign off on him. I was just going to uh, say look, that because yeah. of the heart condition. Look, I mean, there's some teams, and it just may be a look. We just, you know, because if you're going to take top 15 or top 20 where Hurst can go, you maybe don't want to take the gamble. And look, you know, I can understand it, especially if you're talking about a team with a somewhat new regime, whether it's a coaching staff or a front office. You know, you don't want to risk that maybe you, t- you know, took a pick that early in your regime and, you know, and it didn't work out, you know, because of medical. So he's in a tough spot there, but still a phenomenal player. He, he's probably the quickest off the line of scrimmage in this draft. Just can fire away. Uh, good player there. Uh, David Bryan out of Florida. Here's a guy with great athleticism. Kind of doesn't really know what he's doing yet. Sometimes that's not going to bother NFL teams. A lot of, a lot, sometimes NFL teams would rather, I, I, I don't want a guy stuck in a certain way of playing. So you want to know what? I'll teach him what I need him to do for me. So I think Taven Bryan is a guy, I would say, late first round. I think Atlanta's probably a guy where he'd end up. Uh, then you've got like Harrison Phillips out of Stanford. You don't normally see interior defensive linemen rack up 80 tackles. It's an insane amount of number. But he's a smart kid. Uh, tested better athletically than most people thought. Really, really, really good player. Uh, I think here's a guy you're probably going to get mid-second round. And you're going to get a lot of value out of him. Does it dirty things well. I think he'll probably come off the field in nickel and dime. But certainly, certainly is going to be a huge help with the run. Uh, then you have some wild cards. Tim Settle out of Virginia Tech. Big, massive kid. 330-plus. Uh, not, you know, moves well for his size, but is kind of slow. I think you're, if you're looking for that no zero technique guy, zero technique guy I think he fits into that. Uh, Derek Nande out of Florida State. He's just a rock. Nothing's ever really going to be flashy. But he's strong as an ox. You're not moving him. You're not running up the middle against him. He's going to take absorb every blocker that comes his way. And then Nathan Shepard, kind of a wild card out of a smaller school, uh, a little bit of an older prospect, has a has some really good game to him. But the thing is, is you know, Woody, he's probably not going to get any better at almost 25 years old. So maybe you know later on in you know round two, you get him and just say, look, you know, I understand what he is, and you just kind of plug him into you know, kind of like the Jacksonville and that type of thing. Where you, you know, you're looking to go seven, eight deep on a D line, and you want a guy who can kind of give you a little bit of everything, and that's a guy, something a guy like Nathan Shepard can do. Fort Hayes State, right? That's where he's from. Yes, sir. All right, uh, linebackers. I like the, the at least the very top of this linebacking core. I, I think Roquan Smith is. I think he's got a lot of star potential in him. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but you know, just seeing what he did at Georgia last year, I think he's just going to be a star at the next level. I like Tremaine Edwards from Virginia Tech. Uh, Leighton Vandenesh from uh, from Boise State. Seems like a lot of people kind of like him, uh, but he could be a bit of a wild card. Where overall do you rate this class, and who do you th- like? What are your thoughts on Roquan Smith, especially? Uh, I think it's a pretty good group of uh, uh, as a linebacker class, and I think it goes deep into day three. You know, you got athletes who can run. Roquan Smith, um, you know, look, I'm older. So uh, you know, most people remember Ray Lewis in the NFL, and mm-hmm. Ray Lewis was a big, thick dude. You ever want go back and watch a little Ray Lewis at Miami? Ray, he was a small, undersized linebacker that ran all day long, and that's what I see with Roquan Smith. And one of the things I love the most is just his anticipation and he's able to time it right where he is meeting the guy in the hole and he's always running at 100% to, you know, basically to make sure he ensures the tackle and provides the biggest pop he can. His timing is perfect, and it reminds me a lot of Ray Lewis at Miami. Uh, now, as far as Edmonds, the most interesting thing with Edmonds here, and I do think he's going to be a fantastic NFL player, is We've never had a guy get drafted before at 19 years old. So that is just crazy to even think about, that he is only 19 years old when he gets drafted. That's amazing. The one thing is, he's huge as heck right now already. 
at 6'4", 250 plus. My, my curious thing with him, though, is is he going to be able to stay on the interior as a linebacker? I mean, he could easily grow another inch. His bodily could easily accept another 15 pounds. So we could be talking about a kid almost six foot five, 275 pounds in 18, 18 months, 24 months. <clears throat> so will he remain an interior linebacker? Mm-hmm. That's yet to be seen. Uh, Leighton Vanderesh is interesting. There was some talk this week about his medicals. Uh, he was not asked to come back to, out to Indianapolis to do a combine recheck. So I, I don't know what everybody was getting all excited out, uh, about. Uh, they, they grade medicals on a five-star basis. He got four-star. Um, you know, it's very rare to get a five-star. I mean, especially when you're playing big-time college football for the better part of the, you know, a decade like some of these kids. Uh, he's going to be interesting. Uh, look, I mean, he's going to take a step up in a competition a little bit. But another guy, big, you know, big, big linebacker. So, you know, him, I think a perfect spot would be Pittsburgh in the first round. Pittsburgh, it's a win-now team. Uh, you know, you, you got to believe Ryan Shazier, you know, as much as everybody's rooting for him, mm-hmm. he's probably never going to see his way onto a football field again. And if you're Pittsburgh and you know your window is now, you got to replace somebody like that. So maybe Van Der Esch with their pick right there at 28. Well, you mentioned the depth of this, gla- uh, of this class. Where do you foresee some, like, better value or some high value picks there in the middle to late rounds with some of these guys? Uh, just, just some names here, uh, but a wild card off the bat. This would probably be a day, day three guy, Gennard, uh, Gennard Avery out of Memphis. Runs well, short tackler, fun, fun player. But look, you know Memphis, you know AAC. There's a lot of fifty to forty nine games. Not a lot of people get so much caught up in the defensive talent in that conference. Right. But Gennard Avery is one of them. Christian Sam out of Arizona State has some injury issue to him, but big, thick plugger plays the middle linebacker very well. Can take on blacks. The kid take on blocks showed this well. Showed this year that he was healthy. Came back with a monster last year in Tempe. Uh, then uh, Malik Jefferson out of Texas. Here was a guy similar to Arden Key that you know three years ago was an incredibly hot name. Texas, the, the program is just not what we've been accustomed to over the last two decades. He's kind of getting forgot about. Here's a guy you probably can find maybe later round two, maybe even uh, round three. But he's a tackle machine. Knows how to play the position. Another day three guy, real interesting. Fred Warner out of BYU. Uh, BYU, not not that great of a football team, but Fred Warner was a special player. Strong. He's got good size, too, at 6'3", 240. Great player, and, and he runs pretty damn well for his size as well. I'm going to plug the enemy here and go to North Dakota State. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nick DeLuca? He's, Nick DeLuca's not a, he's not a bad player. He, he, I think he's I think he's going to find his way on because it just it comes easily to him. Look, there's things you can't teach football-wise. You can sit down every day with a guy and say, these are your keys. But the difference is, some guys just pick it up easier than others. Nick DeLuca, it's like, it's just in it's just in him. He sees and diagnoses very well. Guys like that stay on NFL rosters. Is it a cause for concern with the injuries that he's suffered? Is that why? It's going to hurt him because you're not coming from the SEC. So yep. when you're not coming from the power areas of the NFL draft, you know things are going to yep. hurt you more than going to hurt other guys. So it's going to be held against him. He's probably going to have to, you know, show his wares on some special teams to get a shot. But you know, as long as every, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, whatever team goes to him, they're going to fall in love because they love guys who consistently do what they have to do and follow assignment. And DeLuca's one of those kids. We'll finish off with the secondary here. I know you're a big Florida State fan, and Derwin James is uh, obviously is a very, very good player from Florida State. How high do you think Derwin James can go? It seems like he's been pegged in the mid-teens here lately. I I mean, there was talk kind of 
before the season or even during that, you know, this guy could be a, a top five, a top 10 pick. Why, where do we see him and why is he getting knocked off a little bit now? I think uh, one of the biggest things that happened for any, for I mean, look, all the Florida State guys kind of took a hit. Yep. Once the team season was over, you know, look, eyes went other places. You know, what, you know, other games took national prominence. Not a lot of people are sitting down at noon on Saturdays and kept getting in all the college football film. So, you know, and then once, you know, the season was over and the draft cycle picked up, people went back and started watching again. And Derwin James, what makes him so great is he can do a little bit of everything. He can rush like an edge rusher. There's a highlight of him uh, as a freshman playing against Florida where he, with one arm, tossed the right tackle back about 12 yards right on his ass. Uh, you know, he can, you know, can play the pass. He's physical. Uh, if you want to go back to uh, his freshman year, Jacoby Brissett was playing quarterback at North Carolina State. He put some licks on him that I'm sure Joe, Jacoby Brissett is still feeling to this day. Does a little bit of everything. And then the other thing is, is he goes in and tests athletically like a cornerback. So I, I would say 12 to 15, if not even higher, I wouldn't surprise if Oakland or San Francisco uh, San Francisco, maybe not, but Oakland, I mean, granted, I don't know what they're doing free agency-wise because unless you're 30 years old, they're not giving you a phone call. Right. But somewhere <laughs> along the line, you gotta you got to find some young guys to come in. And, I mean, Derwin James, if you want to go back to what the Raiders were, Derwin James would be a guy that would fit that to a T. It, is Minka Fitzpatrick the class of this, or is he and Derwin James kind of 1A, 1B? I, I think it's... I think it's more of you know what you would. Pref- I think it's more of what you would prefer. I think Derwin James is going to give you more of an impact in stopping the run and blitzing. And look, there's going to be some times where he lays a lick and somebody's not going to get up. I think Mr. Fitzpatrick is more of the you know everything is going to be done correctly. There won't be a what was Minka doing on that play. Those things don't exist with Minka Fitzpatrick. The thing that actually hurt Minka Fitzpatrick and the only thing that's hurt him is is there was talk you know oh is he a cornerback? Is he a safety? Well, when testing started, Minka Fitzpatrick, who doesn't have like really any experience of playing an outside cornerback, he tested well below some of the top cornerbacks in this draft. You know, Jairi Alexander, uh, Denzel Ward, they blew him away testing-wise. So that kind of took the cornerback possibility off the table. I think you have a fantastic free safety in the Earl Thomas mode. I think he can come up, play some nickel for you. He's a smart enough player that if you call the blitz, he's most likely going to make a difference. Uh, he just, the only thing was, you know, people were thinking you were going to have this uber athlete to go along with a, you know, a well sound football player, but it, it turns out he's he's just a really good athlete, not a super athlete. What do you think about the rest of this uh, safety field? Who are some other names we should pay attention to on days two and three? Uh, Justin Reed out of Stanford, uh, another guy. Uh, Stanford, I mean, Stanford's been consistently putting out good football players. Yes, Cornerback out of there too. Meeks, Stanford. I mean, they're putting out two solid ball players. Uh, also, uh, Jesse Bates out of Wake Forest. Only played two years. Came out as a redshirt sophomore. Uh, name was really good. Ah, had a huge game against Florida State this year. Was all over the field. He's a guy probably going to go early round two. Uh, 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 you know, obviously Harrison, the other safety out of Alabama. I'm not as high as some other people are, but you know, another guy, another assignment football player. You look. You don't play for Nick unless you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. So, you know, and he's one of those guys that's going to do that. Uh, and he's an interesting one because he's kind of a hybrid, can play nickel, can play corner, can play safety. Rashawn Golden out of Tennessee. Uh, Dane Brugler, who I love, he's one of his absolute favorites in the class. Uh, thought he was going to test a little better, but he did. But here's a guy you probably get third round, and he comes in and can play right away and can play nickel, can play safety if you need him. That type of vers- versatility will make him a big value in that probably the 70 to 90 range. 
on the cornerback side, it seems like Denzel Ward has really started to skyrocket. Like, I know he's the the best cornerback in this class, but, I mean, there's really talk about him being a top 10 pick. Is that is that a valuable assessment of him? Well, I'm going to – one thing I'm going to give you, he's, for me, he's not the number one cornerback. Is it Joshua Jackson? Have, no, for me, it's Jairi Alexander. Okay. Jairi Alexander, yes. he's, he's just – first things first, you need that guy in your secondary. The guy who is not afraid to run his mouth. The guy who wants to go at it all day long. And Jairi Alexander's just got that dog in him. And he has a lot of fun playing the game. Uh, the concern I had, you go back, obviously, you know, the two inter- obviously he had a two-interception game versus Deshaun Watson last year. Played very limited this year, uh, but basically shut down everybody in sight. Uh, people were concerned, obviously, with the injuries, but went to the combine and just destroyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we knew he could play. We didn't realize he was almost like the opposite of Micah Fitzpatrick. He, he he went to the combine and proved he was a lot better athlete than anybody thought he was. So that helped him a ton. My thing with Denzel Ward is, you know, it seems like Denzel Ward struggling to carry around 187 pounds, 188 pounds. Now you you, you look at, you know, I mean, how are you going to handle the AJ Greens of the world? And things of that nature. I mean, he's, he's a little thin in that regard. And, you know, you wonder if he's going to get ragdolled, ragdolled by some of these big-time wide receiver ones. Joshua Jackson, uh, if you're going to put him, you know, if you're a heavy zone coverage, he's got the great anticipation. He, he's got the, you know, he's got the cuts of, uh, guts of a cat burglar, jumps on a lot of routes. So if you're a team that likes your cornerbacks facing the, you know, facing the quarterback and seeing the ball coming and you're going to let him gamble, Josh Jackson is a guy for you. What are some other cornerbacks like with the safeties that uh that will be some very good picks if they can fall in rounds two and three and even on day three um well you got mike hughes out of ucf uh he very sticky stays with his man uh he brings you fantastic return ability uh you know obviously he kind of caught the spotlight spotlight this year as ucf you know made a magical run for their season uh isaiah oliver out of colorado colorado has just been pumping out defensive backs lately isaiah oliver's another one of these guys long limbs uh, you know, you can't put a lot on him. It's if you know he's kind of got to have to know who his man is. It seems like he's a little slow in processing, like on the fly. So he's going to be a guy that's going to play on the outside, primarily play on the outside alone. But uh, good athlete, good length. You know, uh, you want to play a little press and run. He's probably a guy you're going to look at. Same thing with uh, Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Carlton, Carlton Davis out of Auburn. The first five yards, he's going to beat the living daylights out of you. He's really good in that range. You're probably going to have to worry about some penalties early. They're going to happen because it's just he's just going to have to learn, and no one's going to give him the benefit of the doubt early. But he's a guy, another. If you like to play a press scheme, he's a good one to have. Uh, MJ Stewart, he was his old teammate from University of North Carolina. Uh, plays a lot bigger than his size. Uh, you know, plays the slot, plays it very well. Gets in there, has no problem getting his nose dirty. Uh, Stewart and Hughes, they actually both got in trouble together back at UNC in the day. It looks like a, you know, that is pretty much past them. But MJ Stewart, a guy in that top 75 range, He's another fun, fun corner. Is the most, I don't know, fascinating defensive player in this draft potentially Shaquem Griffin from uh, Central Florida? Oh, it has to be. I mean, first off, he's, he's just a, a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I mean, look, it's kind of hard to, I guess the only thing you can kind of do is kind of equate it maybe to Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, it's so hard to gauge you know, what's going to be you know, how hard is it going to be for him to play in the NFL with only one hand? Mm-hmm. Um, what helps him? What helps him is he tested like a ridiculous athlete. What helps him is that he can do 20 bench reps of 225 with a prosthetic, for God's sakes. 
I mean, it's amazing what this kid can do. Uh, me personally, I draft him in a heartbeat just because I, he's got he's got an electric personality. He, he's someone you're going to want in the locker room. Players are going to gravitate to him. He's going to make your team better just by being on your roster. Not to mention, look, I mean, you're going to put him on special teams. That's great. You got a guy who runs sub four five playing special teams. There's probably certain roles you're going to have to carve out for him, whether it be a pass rusher or whether it be you know he's he's going to chase a running back on third down. It's going to be interesting how he's played, and obviously we're not going to know to any of that really to where he goes because I'm not necessarily sure we know what position he has. But man, I mean, you know, we always get one or two guys per class that everyone's just hey. Man, I am rooting like hell for this kid. And we, obviously, we're we, on board with him. We think he can go first round, like high first round, right? I I, I don't think anybody will do it because there, there are questions. Uh, right, I should, I, I'm sorry, I should mean like the, the, in the 20s. I, I just don't think he's going to go in the first round. Okay. I, I think I think the problem is, is, is going to be is you have a guy who plays some defensive back, played edge rusher, I think you're getting to yourself to a point where you're not exactly sure what his position is. So that's, you know, now even if he had two hands, that's still something you may not do when you don't know what a guy's position is. You know, you're not going to gamble that high. Uh, I definitely think he's going to go on day two. The entire draft is going to blow up when he does go because everyone's going to be excited. Uh, so I would say, I would say, I would say mid to late second round. And he can use the prosthetic uh, hand. Is that? Is that correct? He's, ne- he's never. I think the prosthetic it was only something that they did to Just help him bench, bench press. press. Okay. Well, yeah, but also because he had to have some way to be. You know, bench press is the most important lift to play football. Right. So you know, you want to keep playing it at the highest, higher level. You've got to find a way to do it. So you know, that's what they did for him. It took a while for him to get it. But keep in mind, I think he's only using about like a couple of years. But to get to 20 reps at 225, it just shows you what kind of work I think is in this kid's body. Absolutely. I I can't wait. I hope he <clears throat> goes to a good team. It's a fascinating story. Jeff, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, and I can't wait to talk with you next week, and we'll see what, uh, what your uh, mock draft looks like. You got it, buddy. All right. Thank you, Jeff. You got it. Take care, man. Thank you. You too. Jeff Lloyd, second Lockdown Browns podcast. Great podcast. Take a listen to it. Uh, He's phenomenal. I mean, I I just love uh, talking with him. He's great analysis on the NFL draft. Fantastic stuff. So appreciate his time as always. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Travis was on. We had Marcus talking uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Always phenomenal stuff. You can follow. Uh, you can you can find this podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Also, follow me on Twitter at ND Stacken. Facebook Nathan Stacken have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week huge show next week it is the second best show that we do only behind the march madness it has changed over the years but it is the nfl mock draft show extraordinaire travis crins and i will either go every other or maybe we'll each have our own mock draft who knows we'll have uh jeff lloyd on for his mock draft great stuff very excited for NFL Draft Week. This I, I'm always excited for the NFL Draft. I think this is the mo- most excited I've ever been because you just don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be fascinating. And if we get more than four right in the mock draft, that would be insane. So uh, looking forward to that. Again, uh, that's a great show to listen to next week. We'll have that one posted much earlier ahead of the NFL Draft. Again, follow me on Twitter at Stacken. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. have a link posted to the podcast. It's also available on iTunes. Just search Sports Block Podcast. Thank you to Travis and Marcus and Jeff.
for making this a successful uh, podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed listening to it, and I hope you tune in again next week for the NFL Draft Preview Extraordinaire. Here, Nathan Sack and saying thank you for listening. Talk to you next week here on the Sports Block Podcast.